Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. Another week down in the NRL season, three gone box head, and there's only two teams left without a victory. Yeah, it usually uh, usually sorts itself out, doesn't it? A lot yeah. of teams, uh, well, a lot of teams aren't undefeated, and most teams aren't without a uh, out, without a win either. So it's just that time of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Up and down. A couple of teams bounce back this week, as you wanted to tip last weekend that a few that were desperate for a win would find one. Uh, obviously, someone had to emerge from that Sharks-Eels game without a win and won with one. And then, obviously, the Canberra Raiders were another team who looked like they were going to get their first win of the season, but they found a way to beat themselves three weeks in a row. So, quite disappointing for them. But we'll kick things off straight away with our set of six and probably the most breaking bit of news. Uh, we're recording this Monday a bit earlier than usual, uh, just due to circumstances with work and training, but just announced not long ago, Manly have been fined $750,000 for their salary cap breaches, which uh, from memory, I'll have to get it up, happened over the span of a five-year period. 13 players involved, over $1.5 million worth uh, over the salary cap over that period of time. Uh, I think Neil Bear, who's at the club right now, he's going to be stood down for 12 months. And Joe Kelly, the former CEO, he's also going to be stood down for 12 months. He's now at the Roosters. Uh, Bob Fulton, if he wants to be involved with rugby league again, highly doubt he will be. Uh, he has to apply to the NRL. And for the next two seasons, this year and next year, $660,000 will be taken off their salary cap or applied to. So the weird one for me with this is it's been a bit murky the whole time as far as information. Do they have enough evidence? Do they not? Uh, this was also one that involved the police from memory as well along the way, which kind of seems a bit weird that they get involved in salary cap cheating in rugby league because, you know... Like, doesn't really seem like something they'd be following up, but all in all, um, clearly they think they've got enough evidence. Manly the whole time have been denying, deny, deny, but it's dragged on for a lot of time. Clearly they think they've got enough to sanction them. I don't know your thoughts on the whole thing. I'm just kind of happy well, to see the back of it. But It's got dragged on too long. It's been very murky Far for Far too long, and it's not a police investigation. I don't think there's been anything criminal that's gone on. It's, a, no. it's the NRL's job to sort out salary cap breaches. I'm, I'm not sure... What sort of criminal activity they were looking at, but I guess we'll, we may never know. But I'm just glad, like you, that it's done and over, and Manly can get on with it. Uh, for me, I thought it was going to drag on longer. That was part of the reason why I had him to win the spoon, Manly. And uh, well, I, well, it has put the handbrake on him signing a five-eight. Cost him two players. They wanted go. to get in for Pierce. His manager went cold instantly. Not saying he would have went there, but they didn't even have a shot in the occasion because their manager found out about. Uh, the breaches and the hold on that. And then Trent Hodgkinson, they couldn't put an offer in there either. So it cost them two opportunities to get guys in. But my whole thing, like you said, it's just going to be murky. It doesn't mean all information. They say they've got this, that, and the other. And we've got documents, manly. It's been a bit of back and forth the whole time. But 
Um, fair or unfair, it seems like they've got enough, clearly, uh, to get things over done with. I'm with you. I don't know why the police got involved. It doesn't seem like something they should be involved with, but it's finally resolved. I don't know how much that leaves them within their salary cap because apparently they had close to maybe a million dollars, 900000 So yeah. if you're applying six they they've got about two fifty three hundred left for the year to pick up somebody else. Uh, does Todd Carney come to the equation? We know that the Cowboys are the ones pushing to get that deal done, but prior to that, the talk that was Manly was interested as well. So yeah. um, they've already missed out on two of those halves, as I mentioned. But most importantly, especially if you're a Manly fan out there and for all of us who just love the game, you don't want to see this crap. Um, it's finally done. Those couple of guys will serve their bands. Joe Kelly at the Roosters, I'm sure you know they're a big enough club to operate day-to-day without him there for the next 12 months, but um, it's, it's all in, in the background now. So... Hopefully no more murkiness, especially around Manly, who the last few years there's been rumours and allegations of betting and match-fixing and all these other bits and pieces, but not a whole lot of information has actually come to light. So No, exactly. That's so, finally resolved and we can move on. But Number two, just one uh, more a personal thing on the weekend. Of all the games I watched, the one that really, really grabbed me in the first few weeks for all the years of disappointment they've given us, that Warriors comeback. Uh, I, I'm dumbfounded most of the time when you can go 80 metres off a kickoff and kick a field goal like Sean Johnson did, but to go back-to-back sets, roll downfield, knock both of those over and somehow steal that game of football, I was in shock, basically, sitting on the couch. I was very excited and it was a great ending to the game, but... Well, you're excited because you tipped the Warriors. I was just more excited because how often do you see How that? often do you see Canberra throw a result down the road? I get that, but just two field goals back-to-back, 80 put piss-poor defence to be rolled over so easily and let To me, it wasn't so much field. the try... It was, like you said, the two that they just allowed them to walk down the field, kick a field goal. They made 80 metres in both sets. And we're going to talk about the obstruction, and a lot of people are blowing up about that. But honestly, take that out of the equation. Canberra, how you lose that game, uh, their edge defence again. And the try that Isaac Luke scored, everyone running off the line, not worrying about the ball first, just like jumping up on the man, just letting him walk through. That's that's all on Canberra. Like I know Ricky Stewart was unhappy, and we're going to talk about the obstruction thing next up, but... Honestly, like how you lose that game, I, I just don't know. I really don't. But I was I was pretty stoked with that finish, to be honest. There's, there's a lot of things you see in your time watching football, but I can't remember watching a game where a team looked dead and buried, go back-to-back sets with only two, three minutes left on the clock and go bang, bang with two field goals. That was that was something new for me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've never seen it before. Quite amazing. Uh, it's a great start of the season. It's the first time in Warriors history that they've started the season 3-0. Yeah, so good on them. That's massive, but... Number three, and probably more one that gets your B under your bonnet and a lot of people out there, the abstraction rule over the weekend has reared its ugly head again. And it's one of these things, again, over the years, no one's ever going to be happy, uh, much like the video ref, much like the penalties and all these bits and pieces. But there was a, a couple of instances on the weekend that occurred. Yeah, well, now they're saying that the indicator is inside shoulder, outside shoulder. So the, if you run it in inside shoulder and there's contact, the theory is is that you still have the chance to go out and defend the play because it's not on your outside, right? I have an issue. You know how I coach. I I coach. If a lead runner is running through the line, my lead runners are always uh, instructed that you never, ever, 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 ever make contact, ever. And that was what I was going to say. Even if you do hit the inside shoulder, though, what if you blatantly knock somebody over? Well, this is the point. They're still taken out of play. It's stupid. It is a stupid rule because that means that you can now run lead runners into inside shoulders as a coach. Knock someone over. Now, that's fine if the ball continues to go on the outside. What happens if you run it at an inside shoulder and then turn the ball back underneath? Mm. 
are we then going to say that that's okay if you take a player out on his inside shoulder? And the theory is, is that if you go onto his inside shoulder, that he's made a defensive decision to come to you, which isn't right. No, it's that's not. That's not right at all. If you're square and someone runs at your inside shoulder and contacts you on your inside shoulder, it doesn't necessarily that you've made a poor defensive decision. And just an example for those listening to us, if you watched, and it, you know that, that sounds a bit uh, technical, say if you watched the Canberra game, I think it was Bunty Arfola was the one who was contacted. Yeah. His inside shoulder from where he is standing is your inside shoulder is back towards the post, not the sideline. So he was contacted on his left shoulder. Well, no, that's not right. His was... inside shoulder is to the ball, where the ball is. That's your inside shoulder or to where the play the ball is because the play the ball could, in essence, be on the other side of the field. So wherever the play the ball is, it's your closest shoulder to where the ball was played. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, like technical. But for me, that was the wrong call. So you, the Bunty FR one. I thought that was a try. You thought that was a try. What According the, to the rules. What about the James Maloney one? No, I thought if he dived, it wouldn't have been a try. I agree with any, what Anthony Griffin said. Yeah. So my, my issue with lead runners is he's not so much hitting an inside or an outside shoulder. I totally agree that if a player comes in and makes a bad defensive decision and then he's inhibited by a lead runner, that's his own fault. He's yeah, made that decision made to go decision. there. Whenever a lead runner makes contact with a defender who is not trying to make contact with him... For me, it should be a penalty. He's in an offside position. He's not in. He's not in a position where he can catch the ball. The, a defender should not have to deal with a player that cannot get the ball. No, you got Ever. to get. You got to get through the line. Clean. Ever get through a hole. We've made the, the rules, and it just shits me to tears. We've made the rules which now allow these coaches to run. Like you watch Parramatta, they'll run a double lead for a double lead, mm. just... and none of those players are ever going to get the ball. No. Because they're in front of the ball. They're out of the way. It's just, it's it's dumb play, it's robotic play, and it's poor defending. Um, well, it's not poor defending, but it just, it makes defending easy. It makes it so easy. You can just shift off and solve the play. I, yeah. My, I, I, my, my other issue, though, is we're leaving room. Like At times, there is some interpretation involved, but between the two, there was room for interpretation left because you're basically looking at a fire. He's on the line. That contact's made, but... He, he doesn't have a lot of time to react because Paulo's right in behind that lead runner. So yep. you're basically saying he's defending his line. He hasn't had a chance, even if he did make a bad read, to get off and he was contacted. Whereas the other one, the Maloney one, that shifts out. He does get free of the man that hit his inside shoulder. He does get to the play. He doesn't make the tackle. But for the video ref, it's an easier one for him to give that as a try because he's looking at it going, okay, well, he's been contacted. He hasn't fallen over like you said or like Griffin said. He slid off there. He's made, had a chance to go make up for it, but he didn't get there. Yeah. The follow one, though, you leave with that rule, uh, rule for room for interpretation where he's on his line there where you're just saying as soon as he's contacted straight away, like he didn't get a chance at all. Yeah, but it was on his inside shoulder. So according to the rule, uh, for me, it's stupid. It's a stupid, stupid way to interpret the rules. He shouldn't make contact at all. If that, that player just goes to his inside shoulder, doesn't make contact, it's no. still the same result. And that's my issue watching. I was kind of like, well... I. I don't really think he committed to the tackle, but he still contacted him and Paulo's come through And that's through my that argument. Hole, so. I don't give a shit what, co- what shoulder he's contacted with. If he did not make the contact himself, yeah. initiate the contact, he should not have to deal with the lead runner ever. Yeah. And ever. Watching it, I was We've made of, these dumb rules yeah. that allow just shit lead runners. It annoys the hell out of me. Yeah. They're not genuine. They're not getting through clean. They're not. So they're not behind the ball even. I was a bit 50-50 on that one. I could kind of see both sides of the argument, but I was kind of like, you know what? I... And everyone blows up about that 2013 when they came in. They were just hammering all the lead runners, and that oh, I loved it. Mm. I thought it was the right way to go about it. And yeah. the, again, the referees went away from it because they shit their pants mm. 
and don't just back themselves. Yeah. The lead runner is the worst thing in the game at the moment. The worst thing. Mm. You know, I, I could pick out, and maybe I will, I'll pick out 50 a weekend where they're just shit lead runners who all they are doing is getting in the way of defenders. Yeah. And defenders should not have to deal with it. The other thing about it is if you don't use them constructively, I mean, me and you watched the Parramatta game together on the weekend, a lot of their shifts broke down because... Because they've got four lead runners. There's blokes in front of the ball. Oh. Norman and these guys have got the ball. They're going to run obstructions if they cut back in or turn someone under. Like, yeah. they're just... It stifled their own attack. You want to watch shit lead running? Watch Parramatta play at the moment. Yeah. It's it's horrendous. It really and, did. You know, the other one is is that the referees, you hear the referees in the bunker say, oh, well, there is contact, but it's the try scored in a position that is further, you know, a, yeah, a long distance away. I don't a give a fuck about that because no. that's not the point. The, the defenders on the inside relay to the outside. So whatever decision that three-man or four defender makes impacts what the decisions are on the outside, whether you like it or not. Def- yeah. Defensive decisions come from the inside out, not the outside in. And this is why I'm saying it's he's, ridiculous he's had room, way to look at it. room for interpretation between our followers one and Maloney's because Maloney's had the chance to get out, have a crack at that tackle, whereas a follower, you could basically say he didn't get a chance. So that one, he gets the easy call. The other one, he's going, oh, well, But then again, they've gone back on the rules. They've gone back on the interpretations yeah. and the rules that they've put out. So... Uh, this is our problem. It's not black. It shits me to It's tears. not black and white. It's a grey area again. Don't it's, start it's never clear, so. oh. There's tackle three going. Number four. Uh, this one got a lot of people hot under the collar on the weekend again. Is Golden Point. Yeah. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time blowing up because we've gone over it a million times. Broncos fans are like, why are the Tigers fans whinging? Tigers fans uh, blowing up saying they were robbed. I think they were both in a grind in an ugly game and I don't really think either side deserved to win to me that's a draw game neither and side then, probably deserved to lose either. no and that's the thing and my issue and I've said this again and I'm not going to get into a big argument because again had messages from Broncos and Tigers fans you've got your own flag yeah, to wave in this battle but yeah. for me it's as simple as this right Far out. it shouldn't be decided by a field goal or a penalty goal so it's got to go one of two ways and I don't want to keep no, going see, over, I right? think it should be it's but... going to be a draw at the end of 80 minutes, or to me, that whole 10 minutes gets played out. So you're not just looking yeah, for a field nah, goal. You can't do that. You can't do that. Because for that, it, that that's what minute 70 to 80 is. So you either stick with golden point or you can it. You can't go. There's no in-between for me. Just get rid of it. It's well, shit. I just don't like the fact that a penalty that the NRL now admits they were wrong on. How many times have you watched a game of golden point and thought, geez, that was a really good finish? Well, I got It's just like, it's, it's almost just like, well, we've got to get a result. It's the ultimate. It's the best method. It's the ultimate anti-climax, though, because I was enjoying Rubbish. that bit of, you know, banter and that, that bit of drama, and then that penalty went off, and I was like, okay. Or, so or just... what you should do is say, right, both teams get a point, and then you get a point for whoever wins in golden point, or well, something. But anything's got to be better. But then than it makes now. it a three-point game. But well, I don't like. Well, the one I proposed a few years ago was the way that I sort of think that they should go: three points for a, uh, a golden point. Sorry, three points for a normal win, two points for a golden point loss. Uh, sorry, two points for a golden point win and one point for a golden point loss. And none if you lose in normal time. That's the only really way you're going to be able to do it. Well, I just think it needs to be a draw or off. you get the 10 minutes and that's for me. And again, I know what you're saying, but to me, as soon as they get in there, it's field goals and no penalties and every so often there is one and everyone blows up about it. Yeah. And they stop playing football. They're always looking for a field goal. But on the same time, for the Brisbane fans out there that are whinging, a couple of years ago, they employed. They said you can't put a human wall up. They put three or four blokes on that right-hand side when Rocco tried to get out, so... As much as he wasn't square, they had blokes standing there in front of the play, like we're talking about again, who were just obstructing a chance to go put pressure on the kick. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I just it ruined the game for me. It was a grind. It was an ugly game. I thought both sides ripped into each other. But when you hear that whistle six or seven minutes in or whatever it is, I'm like, well, this 
this war and this fight to get those two points is just soured because someone sticks it on a T20 out and just knocks it over and all that effort was for what? Nothing. So, That's what it's for. Yeah. Unfortunately, I do like the concept, but I think it still needs to either go back to a draw, full 10 minutes, or again, golden try. You have to score something. But the field goal and penalty shootouts, I'm just, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, it so really three, three for a win in 80 normally, none for a loss in 80 normally, two for a winning golden point and one for a loss in golden point. So unless you're walking away with something from a golden point loss, but you know, and then well, every game then is worth three points, not two. So that'd it'd mean that if you if you win in eighty, beautiful, you get your three. Otherwise, you split the, you know, you split your three between the two teams. They get one each, and then whoever wins gets it gets the third point. I, otherwise, for me, I don't have an issue with the draw. No, that's what I mean. It's got to be yeah. one or the other. All right, let's move on. Yeah. Right, we we did, we both neither of us like golden point. Put it that way. Yeah, I don't care if it's if the Titans winning golden point or losing golden point doesn't doesn't change my opinion on golden point. I don't like it. No, well, except like we don't have a team in this battle. So don't, just, yeah, but even this game that's that's the game for this weekend. What about round one? You know, you had uh, Manly and and Newcastle. I'm sure Manly fans would look and go, well, "I'd rather a point yeah. than a loss." Well, it can make a difference. They, the they the bloody. Year. I'll tell you what, and they were the they were the team who would have been really really filthy with that loss because I thought Manly. In round one, like we've been over it, we've reviewed it, but they were exceptional in that game. To get nothing out of that with the amount of effort they put in, what was killed crazy. them is what we said: seventeen errors to six yeah. or something like that, which is what but killed still, them. Still, it was eighteen all at full time. I know, but that was what got them two so, golden yeah. points. Realistically, all those errors. So should have got them a point. We'll leave it behind. But tackle five in our set of six. Nathan Cleary's injury is looking like a ten week layoff, and I think the big thing here: talk about the Panthers' season, all the murmurs around the camp. Would this be able to change style of play, selections, the coach, all these bits and pieces? They start off with two great comeback wins and they almost find a way again on the weekend. But you take Nathan Cleary out of the picture now, who, yeah. let's be honest, he's been the heartbeat of this team. Well, Jesus, they've got eight, James Maloney there. Well, that's the thing. If he's not there, uh, and it's a lot of pressure on him because, to be honest, I still think he's been pretty average his first few weeks and he didn't have a great year last year. Get that, but would you rather him or oh, I'm not knocking Matt Moylan? But the real thing is here, the next 10 weeks, Maloney obviously going to play the seven. Most likely, Jerome Luai, local junior from St. Mary's, gets his opportunity to play in the six. Tyron May's close to come back, one of those two guys. What do we project without Nathan Cleary there? Do you think that They're Maloney... Struggle. They are going to struggle. They lose their goal kicker. They lose their general play kicker. They lose their general. They lose a good ball runner. They've got James Maloney there for sure. But now it's going to allow teams to put an extra defender if they want over on Maloney's side if he's going to be the dominant ball ball player. Yeah. Jerome Loy uh, is a kid I coach, Harold Matthews, SG Ball. He's more of a runner. He, uh, he even had a little bit of a sniff of the 20s in 2015 when I was with the 20s. He's a good player, good kid. I want to see him go really well, but it's really throwing him, him into the deep end to expect him to be doing the same things as Nathan Cleary, he's only a year younger than Nathan, but yep. so he's he's a year younger. Well, than I think than, the big uh, thing though Nathan, is he's so. not a seven; he is a genuine six. Unlike Maloney, who can kind of play between the two positions. But Actually, the, he he might even be the same age as Nathan. I think the key point yeah. you've pointed out though is you don't now have two ball players either side of the ruck to kind of keep things even and square. And Edwards is learning to ball play, but now all that basically does go to James Maloney. So as we've seen in the past, say Melbourne, Arlar a couple of years ago when they didn't have another half, they had Ben Roberts there. Everywhere that Slater and Cronk were is where you loaded up the extra numbers because you know that's where the ball's going. So now there's a lot more on Maloney. He's definitely going to have to earn his paycheck over the next eight to ten weeks or whatever this time period is going to be. Goal kicking, I'm with you, but at the same time, we know Maloney has a great career percentage. He's 80-plus as well, so that's handy. But it is a huge loss to lose somebody in the vein of Nathan Cleary who's been leading them from the front for the past 18 months. Yeah, of course. Interesting to see Maloney now. 
He got his big payday. He's in charge of this team. Luai probably steps in or may in a couple of weeks' time, depending on Luai's form, as you'd expect. But uh, interesting times moving forward on Penrith. Absolutely. The last time we got here, talking about halves again. Uh, we spoke about it in our pre-season preview and said that these two would match up quite well as a pair, or on paper it seems like they would be a pretty good pair, but Kiri and Kronk after two weeks, that's looking very promising. Yeah, well people went off way too early with um, I mean the the doubters around the Roosters. Like, it's one game, and it's early doors. Crazy. Well even last week, people were going, oh you know they, they don't look as good as they could and Kronk's struggling, and he's struggling in Sydney, like give it time. It's 25, uh, 25 rounds, 24 games. Yeah. You don't win comps in March. Uh, they, they were they were really good yesterday. Newcastle, I didn't think were great. Newcastle made a lot of errors, turned ball over, didn't defend well. The week was too much about the former Roosters going to play the Roosters. And other people go, well, do you think the Roosters have kind of played it down? Well, the players aren't the ones who got rid of him. It was the club and Robinson and management. So from the players' point of view, they're just playing against their old mates. They're not yeah. buying into it as emotionally as Mitch and Aiden Guerra and those guys would have been. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they're not the ones who sat them down and made those decisions. That's the club. Yeah. So people were talking about that. I'm like, well, I don't think that's rocket science. Like, they might have been disappointed that Mitch and a few of those guys got moved on, but at the end of the day, it's not their decision. Hmm. So I think there was a bit more there for them. Uh, the two tries before halftime obviously really hurt them. But as was spoken about, Kronk is a guy who is fairly structured and robot, and we didn't know whether the Roosters were going to get ahead massively one way or the other or find a bit of balance but you do know one thing is he enables those around him but in particular Kiri out of all the partners I can think of that he had in Melbourne this may be the absolute ultimate perfect partner for him a guy that is a great ball player he's very very fast he pops up on all opportunities such a threat all over the field but Kronk is just going to be feeding these opportunities and taking care of that kicking game for Kiri and just freeing him up to do whatever he wants and he's the first two weeks Already to see the benefit that it has for Luke Keary, it's looking very, very promising. Yeah. That that's a great pairing. So, yeah, promising signs. Tedesco, on the other hand, he struggled to fit into it. But again, he's never he's been not getting as many touches. He's that's never really thing, been in that yeah. environment where he's had all those bits and pieces around him. He's no longer the main focal point. So he's got to find a way to get himself involved with those. And two. that is not going to happen overnight. No, same deal. So a lot of people banging that drum earlier, and I'm like, well, Christ, even in Origin, I don't think he slides in uh, so smoothly all the time. But coming from where he has at the Tigers. He's been the man, and he hasn't had a whole lot around him. So yeah, uh, that, that's also going to take some time. But the six and seven position, looking very promising. That's a set of six for this week. We'll move into our power rankings now, and obviously some changes probably from the week just gone box head. But uh, at number one, I didn't have any qualm at leaving Melbourne there. You've got Melbourne at one, my friend. Yep, uh, good win on the weekend. Nice bounce back. They've still got plenty to learn as well, but yep. Melbourne are <laughs> Melbourne. Number two. Push straight up there after, you know, the slow start is the Roosters and seeing exactly what I was hoping to see after the first few weeks now. Yeah, I got the Dragons. I thought they were, they've been really, really good. Uh, the only game they even looked like losing was that round two game where they gutsed it out in Cronulla and found a result. But they're 3-0 three and uh, three and, oh, and I've, I've got them right up there. I had them right up there in my preseason predictions and they've probably impressed me more than what I expected them to, to be fair. Yeah, well, they're my number three and they're yeah. just behind those got, two. Well, there you go. I've got the Roosters at three. So we've only got, we've just got them in the reverse order. Yep. Uh, number four for me is the Warriors because that win, forget the obstruction, they had no right to win that game. They found a way. Uh, the resilience in this team now, the fact that even when that sin bidding happened, I know, they, I know they conceded, but they defended almost six or seven sets with 12 men. They have finally looked like they've got the mental strength that they've never had and a way to find that game. Uh, I'm impressed with their stuff. No, I've got the Cowboys. I think they've had two really, uh, really tough losses. They got denied by the goalpost last week and then ran into 
a bounce back Melbourne in Melbourne. So their form's good. I've got the Cowboys at four. Well, I've got them at five. Uh, part of it is because I don't think Morgan's healthy yet. I don't think he was very, very involved the other night, and they need him 100%. And him and JT, it's going to take some time to work that out, but I still think JT needs to realise now that I think Morgan is the number one option. Yeah, uh, I've got the Warriors at five. Just for me, I think if they played right now, the the Cowboys would beat the Warriors. So um, I've got them at five, but for reasons you've outlined, they've um, won two games very impressively, the Warriors, and then pinch one that they had no right to. So and we 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 too often look at the Warriors and say that's a game they thrown they've thrown away. Yeah. Now we're looking at them going, well, they've pinched one. Yeah. Well, I think uh, at six, and I was going to put them lower because of Nathan Cleary, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt because of their first two wins, I've got the Panthers. And honestly, I could have dropped them down to eight, and that was what I was thinking, but I'm going to push the wait and see uh, with Maloney steering the ship. this one now. Like, below those five, I think everyone has shown glimpses and everyone's probably yeah. cocked up a little bit. I've got the Broncos at six. Yeah, and that, that was one I was struggling not to me, put For me, I go, well, you should have lost last week. The goalpost saved you last week. And this week, you've won a dicey one in Golden Point. I yeah. am so un- unconvinced by the Broncos. Yeah. Um, it's not funny, but they've won two in a row now. Uh, first first week, they were pretty unimpressive. But yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've got them ahead of Penrith, who I've got at seven. I'll go to seven. Yeah. Um, only because of Nathan Cleary. I think if they played yep. now, if Cleary was in, I'd have Penrith ahead of him, but he's out, so I've got them slightly behind the Broncos, and I've got the Panthers at seven. Well, I've left the Tigers at seven. I think, uh, again, why they're not showing a whole lot in attack, their defence is absolutely outstanding. They've got a great attitude. I think as the year goes, it's going to be harder to maintain that, but again, uh, could they have won that game? Yes. Were they robbed? I'm not going to go that far. I think no, the, they weren't robbed. The penalty was shit. They had enough chances to win that game. Neither, neither of them deserved realistically to win that game. But the way it panned out, I'm still impressed with what I've seen early. But later on in the year, I still stick by what I said. You can't maintain winning games with one try or penalty goals, etc., and defend your whole way through the year. It's not going to work. So mm. they hold seven at the moment, but only just. Uh, eight, I've got the Sharks. I think they lost a really, really tight one in North Queensland. They then lost a really, really tight one to the Dragons. Both of those teams I've got in my top four in my power rankings, and they had a good, well, not a good win, but, you know, they won on the weekend, and it was as much about just getting the W, wasn't it? It wasn't about the style they got it in, and they grinded one out in difficult conditions against the Eels, and uh, I think they've got a lot of improvement left in them, and I think they looked a better side without Moylan out on the field, to be fair. Yeah, well, I've had them in, and I said last week that I will keep them in the bottom, and they're my eight as well, because yeah. they've still got things to work out. They've got changes in the spine. Three weeks in a row, their spine hasn't been the same. Yeah, Hodkinson and Townsend, as I said, it's a different dynamic because they're similar players. They both control things and kick well, but it brought a bit of stability that they don't usually have. They're usually very undisciplined, lots of errors. They get quite loose, but... Um, you know, Dugan did his job at the back. He breaks plenty of tackles. His kick returns are good. I think Holmes, he's just going to have to accept the fact that his spot is the wing in that side. And if Moylan, when he does come back from the hamstring or whatever that issue is, if he's not playing fullback, which I think he does need to, I stick by what I said last week, that they're going to have to find a balance between him and Dugan back there because he doesn't do much on kick return. I think Dugan does a real good job there. But in good ball, obviously, Dugan doesn't offer you that ball playing which is something that Moylan does do. So um, they've got a lot to work out, like you said, and I think they're only going to get better. So they hold eight for me. Um, so when you look at it, Newcastle moved out, but you know they've scraped in two close wins and then got hammered last night. So that was a pretty easy decision to make for me. Seattle I've been impressed with, but they lost two games. They found a good win on the weekend, but again, want to see that keep moving forward. Uh, and they're probably the only other two teams I'd really considered out of everyone else outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Manly, I think I had in last week, but to go from one extreme after what we've seen from Parramatta from three games, it's hard to read a lot into that. And then they just got dusted by South. So 
Um, yeah, it's a bit hard to read into their form right now. But. Yeah, well, I'm not going to bag Manly this week. They had plenty of abusive, uh, I guess, barbs on social media last week. This is no. why people shouldn't jump up and down after a couple of rounds. Wait until things kind of pan out. And a again, bit. I'm not going to overreact to that result on the weekend, but no. um, there was issues there which I highlighted in the preseason, and a good side in South Sydney exposed them. But they were, they were exceptional the week before. So yep. And now that this salary cap drama's over there. I think they're in a much better position to hopefully move forward, hopefully try and f- sign a 5-8. Well, they might free up a bit more money because I read today that Darcy Lussick might be taking up an offer in the Super League immediately. So they might go from having 250-300 in the kitty to, say, five 600, somewhere yep. around that mark. But Which would be nice. There you go. There's our set of six and our power rankings before we jump into our views of the games from the weekend. So I have to say a big thank you to our sponsors, the first one of that being... Penrith Solar Centre, and they say defence is the best offence, so what defence have you got in place against the nasty situation of rising power bills? Penrith Solar Centre is Western Sydney's leading solar specialist. Whilst you have little control over your team's outcome, the expert team at PSC is devoted to giving you the control of your power bills back. Let the sun work for your home and end for your back pocket. Save thousands per year in energy costs. It may just be the difference between good seats to great seats watching your team play in the 2018 Grand Final. Contact Penrose Solar Centre today, 1800 20 29 30, to discuss how they can make you the real winners this season. Box, we spoke about it before. Yep. I work in electricity. Uh, it is a hard time with power bills going up. You've got a system. It pays itself off in three or four years. So, it does, yeah. Uh, it's a good idea. So contact Jake and the boys there. The free, air con in sun, uh, free air con in summer, my friends. Well, very handy if you need the ducted like we do here out in the west because it is bloody hot. And the PM Boltmaster, if you're trading like me as well, Great mob there, Nepean Boltmaster was. The boys get out and see them. They're a complete fastening system supplier with their main office located at Penrith. They've also got another office there at Seven Hills, and you can buy stuff online. They boast the largest, largest range of fasteners and associated products, not only in the region, but throughout the state. But there's a lot more to Nepean Boltmaster than just fasteners. You'll also find a range of industrial and engineering products, abrasives, hand and cutting tools, lifting and materials, handling products, safety and cleaning products, paints, all the bits and pieces, and your general hardware items. Nepean Boltmaster provides total needs sourcing packages for all trades associated with construction, engineering, and associated industry segments. So get on to www.nepbolt.com.au. They've got a Facebook page as well. Mm. Was and the boys there at Nepean Boltmaster. Not just nuts and bolts That's at Nepean Boltmaster. Plenty of stuff there. And Poker Deluxe, www.pokerdeluxe.com.au. They do plenty over all the states, not the territories, though. And not Tassie, but all over. And for those boys there, they're providing a hell of a service for anyone who's looking for a fundraiser for their football club. And with football season back, if your sports team is looking for a fundraiser, they have got the idea for you. With over 10 years' experience at Poker Deluxe, they can help you get a guaranteed profit of $1,000 for your sports club. Paul and Adam are the Poker Deluxe team, and they're passionate about what they do, and they're committed to raising much-needed funds for you and your local sports club. They also provide all the equipment, host to run the night, and over $2,000 worth of prizes to be won. It's a no-brainer. If you're on a committee, if you're involved with a club, any sports team, have a chat with the boys at Poker Deluxe and see how they can guarantee your club that profit. To date, they have raised over $1.5 million for sporting clubs around Australia. So when you're thinking of a fundraiser for 2018, make sure www.pokerdeluxe.com.au boxhead. Outstanding. Yeah. And the last one, obviously, the Pro Sports Syndicate. And we'll talk about them more in our betting and tips segment there. But obviously, expert gamblers, full-time gamblers for a living. Something we wish we could do. Takes a hell of a lot of balls to be a professional punter for a living and be in a syndicate. But these guys do this for a living. They analyze everything top to toe. This is how they make their bread. 
it's not a cheap habit, but my God, it's worth it when you get the results or you pick the right tips, don't you, Brock? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They've got an offer for our listeners right now, and we post that link up weekly. You can get your first month for $99, and if your tips that they send you do not get a percentage of winning over the tips provided for the first month, you get the second month free. So pretty good offer there. If you like betting on your rugby league, the Pro Sports Syndicate, look no further and the boys there, so we'll talk about them later. But big thanks to all our sponsors. But the first game, Brock, in our reviews, the Storm, 30-14 to 14 over the Cowboys. Uh, in all honesty, I thought this game was pretty clunky between two quality sides. There was 20 penalties, which obviously didn't help the flow, but at the same time, everyone whinging about that. I'm fine with the refs to do it as long as they get their message across and hopefully teams learn in the early rounds. But That's not the referee's fault. Exactly. Follow the letter of the law. Everyone's blowing up. Even Joey Johns, the great Joey Johns. But stay on side. Play the ball with your foot. Get out of the rockets. Like it's not rocket science. They are the rules for a reason. You can't just go... And what's really shit me over the weekend is people saying, oh, you know, and, and well, by the end of the year, the penalty counts will be right down. Well, you know why they will be right down? Because the referees are going to stick to their guns mm. and teams are going to adjust. Well, that's the Not problem. because the referees have put the whistles away, you knuckleheads. And this is what we've said every year. They always shut off by around four to six and people just go back to doing what they want. If they keep to their guns early on and stick to it, teams are going to have to adjust. They are. And that's what we need to happen. Mm-hmm. And you should have to follow the rules. Why? Oh, the roll ball and that sped things up. And this, like, well, that's the rule. Well, as we said last year. Over 100 last plus week, years since when do you just roll the ball? It's they, not touch football. Bitch, I watched, I watched a Super League game. Castles and the amount of roll balls in that game were ridiculous, and mm. I'm now picking them up even more than what you know where I used to, just because we've gone back to the correct way of playing the ball. So and you it, it is an ugly, ugly look, and for the people that are saying that playing the ball with your foot does slow the ruck down, I tend to agree. After watching that game, that's it's a lot how quicker. it's been done since yeah. day dot. So why are you changing it? It's yeah, in the yeah, fabric but, of but the there's game. been an argument that okay, to make them put the foot on the ball is going to slow the play yeah, of the ball, and it's correct. Yeah. It is correct. I, I honestly believe, and I didn't get a stopwatch or anything out, but the roll ball, the, the rucks that were roll balls, I genuinely believe were quicker rucks. Well, the roll ball, you're literally just throwing. Yeah. You're not putting on. And I, we've said it before, growing up, I think it was ingrained in us to play it with your foot. I never roll ball. No. Even when I got to the 20s kind of stage of things, I was in that habit where I'd done it so many times that it was autonomous in my mind, and I didn't have a problem with it, that I could get it one-handed, get my foot through it, and get a decent quick play of the ball. But you see some blokes almost look at it it, confused. That's right. It's exactly what you said. It's a habit. It's a habit, because we were told to do it from five to six, so I never had a problem with it. It wasn't a big deal. It was just instant. Get on with it. That's right. So, you know, it's in the fabric of the game. That's the way it should be applied. We let it go for a couple of years. Now deal with it. Uh, But getting back to the game, it was a bit ugly. Um, I thought the Storm probably should have been leading by more after the first half. They left points on the table. Croft early on. Makes that break, gets Suley through. We get her at six again, and he just has one of his brain snaps that he famously does sometimes. He throws the ball away straight away. Then not long after, he goes clean through again. He's got the fox inside him. I have no idea how he doesn't pass to him. Uh, that attempt is knocked down by Hampton. So to be honest, at that point, I, I was pretty angry. I kind of thought this this could already be a three-try game. But late in the half, Cohen Hess, he's just an absolute monster. How easily he got through Hoffman and Munster was pretty disappointing, but... First opportunity to break back into the game, and they did, the Cowboys. And why I thought their halves were pretty clunky and things weren't great all night, he was a standout for the Cowboys. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, heading into halftime, Melbourne found a late try, uh, back-to-back errors from Croft kicking out, and then Morgan doing the exact same thing, led Smith to get Welch over. 18-8 halftime, I was feeling pretty positive that Melbourne would come out and kind of take control of things. But a glut of possession, and Hess again, just too easily ran through the exact same two players to score that try. 18-14. Um, Kind of disappointed, to be honest, that Melbourne ended up in that situation. But 
as close as the cows got late on those two tries to blow things open. I don't think it was a true reflection of the game, but then when I look back to that first half and those few blown opportunities early, it could have been uglier, I think, for the Cowboys. Yeah, it turned to so, Yeah, it turned to Look, it was a game Melbourne, I'd say, were better, clearly better for 60 minutes, and then there was probably a 20-minute period throughout it where the Cowboys competed. They just couldn't convert... Um, you know, their possession into points. I still think they're way too side-to-side. Side. Mm-hmm. There's way too many two-passes. Figuring out the Morgan Thurston thing's awkward. It's more awkward now because you can see that Morgan's not healthy. He didn't gap it the other night. He didn't try and hit the line. He didn't run like he usually done. Some of his touches were a bit clunky, but that groin injury or sports hernia they're talking about takes away some of your explosiveness and you change the direction, which makes him the player that he is. He's mm. such a threat because when he plays square or when he drifts, He's strong enough to get a bloke drawn in from the outside or he can knock somebody over on the inside. But if that running part of his game is taken away, yep. he's severely hindered. And as I said the week before, no offence to the great Jonathan Thurston, but he's slowed down a touch. He can't afford to be double handling everything in the sets. Some of the times he runs, he's getting off sideways and he's you know putting his forwards on a disadvantage. They've got to get back to the bread and butter, Barry basics, numbers pushing to the ruck, running in pairs, getting a bit of width and then playing off the back of it. Because at the moment, I've still got an issue with all the double handling by the Haas playing to their forwards. And it's going to sound harsh because his average game is better than just about any forward in the comp, but I think Tamalolo's been quiet to start the year. I really do. So yeah, fair. Hess, definitely the standout for me. On the Storm side of things, I think Bromwich has started the year very, very well. After a down year last year, played some big minutes again, and I'll stick by this statement. I think Nelson, a, Sol- a soft Solomon, is going to be close to the best prop in the comp within the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah, he's, he's 21 years he's old. Beast. He's a freak. <clears throat> he's a, he's a dead set freak, but... Still some things to work out there for Melbourne. Croft uh, was better somewhat this week. I'm still not sold that Munster's best position is six, but for the way the team's built right now, obviously that's where he's going to play while Billy's there. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot to warm into, but again, lots of guys who played in World Cup, scattered pre-seasons, they found a way to win that game, so uh, I'll move on from that one. Dogs-Penrith, 20-18. to 18. Uh, The Dogs, why things have been questioned the first few weeks and where they're heading. There's a lot of off-field drama. Anyone that doesn't think they're going for a rebuild, you need to give yourself a triple. There's not a whole lot they can change as far as uh, the side itself, but I think there's been effort the first few weeks. And I think, again, in this game, there was effort, and the standout for me, again, was Moses Mbai. He's looking a completely different player in next level since he's moved to fullback, and he really stood out again the other night. Jeremy Marshall King, really solid footballer. I thought he did a really good job in his opportunity to start there. New Brown coming to the side. I was happy that that finally happened. I was surprised he wasn't there from the first week. Uh, I thought their forwards were a little bit better, but still, for $800,000 for Aaron Woods, I don't think you're getting anywhere near value for money. Mm. On the Penrith side of things, this week it was just a simple case of starting slow costure. For two weeks in a row, they've gotten away with it, and full credit to them, they've found a way to get themselves back into the game. But in this one, 14-0 down again. They got to 2012. You've lost Nathan Cleary by half-time. They had a real crack at things late in the game there after Mansour scored that try, but it was just too late, and the dogs held on. So uh, I find it. I still think they're playing a little bit too Barry Basics. They're still playing a little bit one out. There's more pressure now, obviously, as we said, on Maloney because he'll be targeted or that extra number will push over there because without Nathan there, Edwards not being a natural ball player, it's going to be easier for teams to isolate where the ball is going to be going in their attack. Uh, and I'm still filthy that Kikau's not playing more minutes because when he got on, Line break, set up a couple, uh, set up a try, four or five offloads. He needs to be playing more football. Yeah. I don't know how he's not getting more minutes. I really don't. Yeah, I'd agree so, with that. I'd agree with that. Yeah, other than that, I don't know what else you take out of this game. I think no, I still think the dogs. Poor. The dogs played a pretty good style of footy. Yeah. 
Penrith did in patches, but again, they've been patchy for the first two rounds, the Panthers, and now they're going to have to try and be, uh, you know, a better side without Cleary, which is going to be very, very difficult. So let's see how they react. It doesn't get any easier. They travel north this week to play the Cowboys, which We've is going to be slow start, so. bloody tough, and they're they're on the back of back to back losses. So in tough assignment for the Panthers this Thursday. I just I really don't understand. Again, uh, I've almost bloody lost my head here again. Just, just some of the simplicities or how basic things are sometimes for them, and just getting stuck in like some habits, like yeah. get some numbers around the football, push around with those forwards. When when Nathan's running, etc. We spoke at this for Maloney, like just not to have an inside outside trail at all times. Yeah, I, I just don't get a lot of it. I really don't. Um, yeah, I thought yardage is something again that they've kind of struggled with a little bit, but. Yeah, full credit to the dogs. I thought all the effort was there. Still need a little bit more out of their forward pack, but in particular, the big one for me, Moses and by start of the year. I know Queensland are stacked, and you definitely don't find a way in for him, but those couple of years previous where he's played in the halves and people have spoke about rep football, I didn't agree with it while he was playing in the halves. The way he's playing right now, as far as like a utility value or something like that, this standard of football, if he was to play this way for a full season, yeah. that's that's rep football. Like fullback, he, again, it's hard to push in all in after three weeks, but... Pretty bloody impressed by his play at fullback early on. So, good for them to finally get off the mark. Yep. Uh, you move on to the Tigers, the Broncos. This one again. Jesus was a rough old game. It was a rough game. It was old school. It was a grind. Both sides were pretty much the easiest way to sum this up. Average inside 20. Neither of them looked too flash. Tigers, plenty of balls hit the ground. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on there. Not a whole lot of opportunity. Things were broken up for the Broncos. We've already spoken about it again. Their halves. Not the flashiest, pretty very basics, running, playing direct. I thought they played, again, two side to side rather than laying a line and punching on him. But, again, they don't have a big forward pack to kind of do that kind of damage to get themselves back to the edge. So They played right in the Tigers' hands defensively. Yeah, right 100%. side to side. Just got to try and bang through the middle with the Tigers. And once you get a quick play, the ball, try and hit them on the edges. But even then, the, <clears throat> the Tigers are just defending so hard from for each other that they're pushing a lot of teams over in the, in the corners. So. Yeah, their scramble's outstanding. Yeah, they are. They're scrambling well. Like, so it's going to keep them in a lot of games this year, the Tigers. I don't know whether it's going to get them enough wins to get in the eight, but with that sort of effort, they're going to be right right near it. Yeah, massively. And I think for the Broncos, early on, Corey Oates went off, so they had a bit of a reshuffle there. Opachak has worked out pretty handy the first two weeks that he's been on the bench. Uh, Pungai Jr., after an outstanding game the week before, he went off early with a hamstring injury, so that wasn't good. But yeah. on that side of things, I was kind of impressed that the Broncos hung in because you're down to two on the bench. They're not the biggest pack, as we said. They're pretty fit and mobile, but that puts a strain on you straight away and your side. And late on there, I think Thido copped a massive knock and he was bleeding, so I don't think he came back either. So it is a pretty dirty result to get. But in all honesty, I, I didn't think either side deserved to win nor lose this game, which is why I look at the draw and Golden Point and think it's just harsh, but... I'm pretty impressed with young Isaaco the first few weeks. We scored all their points, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know about him. They're talking about Brisbane and this and that. He was at the Sharks. He was a junior number six for the Kiwis. So he's got a background as a half, kicking, etc. So yep. he's coming handy for the goal-kicking side of things, the field goals, all that kind of stuff. And uh, he's making a fist of his opportunities up there. I thought Maguire, as usual, as he is, is really good for them. Sims off the bench, I thought, had a pretty good game as well. But uh, there's still a lot to work on with that team. A lot to work on with the halves. They've still got two sixes, not a genuine seven. Boyd looked a bit better the other night, health-wise, um, but still a bit to work on there. And Yeah, I think Jack Bird in his first game, he had a rough night, made about three or four errors, so he looks a bit plump after his time off from his shoulder, but uh, it's all going to take time. On the Tiger side of things, you just have to applaud the effort. I know a lot of people are saying how are they ticking along the way they are, but that's exactly what it is. It's effort. It's ticker. It's culture-changing. 
Um, Cleary's done an outstanding job. I've been really impressed with Luke Brooks the first few weeks. I think yeah. he looks so much better this year that he's the man in control and it's basically his team now. Uh, Benji and him have been pretty well together. And the front row, Russell Packer in particular, had a massive game. He had 57 tackles. Crazy. And he yeah. had you know, quality yeah, he had carries. Great, he had a great game. I love Eisenhuth as well. Mm. He's a real good footballer. I'm not con- I'm not con- uh, convinced with Eisenhuth, but I'm, yeah. I'm pretty keen just on the work ethic. And, like, even Rocket, all these guys like you spoke about, had problems elsewhere. I looked on the out. They've all come to the Tigers and have a really good start to the season. And Corey Thompson, again, I thought had a pretty good game. He did drop that one late that led to the field goal, but lucky for him, got a reprieve when Brooks knocked over the one at the other end. So uh, they're just going to have to keep learning. And again, they're in a rebuilding phase. People that are pushing about, what about they're the real deal? Are they pushing for I wouldn't even be worried about that. If they get close to the eight in my Tigers fan, I'd be stoked. Yeah. The big thing is they're still rolling over their roster. They're putting that new culture in. They're making changes for their club for the future, which are very impressive early on. Yep. So, uh, Warriors, Raiders, wow. 20 to 19. This game, Canberra. Was it the, was it the earliest sin bidding ever? It was like four minutes in. Well, I must admit, the, sin bin. the repeated penalties was one thing, but Adam Blair, he's a cheap shot merchant, isn't he? Again, like, loves it. He didn't have to do that. He, it was a dog shot, but it did come off the back of all those penalties, so I kind of thought it was appropriate. More impressive out of that massive glut of possession that I thought that Canberra had, though, when it was almost 80-20 or 90-10 for the first 15 minutes, is the Warriors turned them away repeatedly still after that yeah. for four or five sets, and they looked really, really good, but... Quick play the balls that were coming off guys like Leilua and all that plumbing around the middle. They finally cracked them and they found that first try to get themselves off the mark. Uh, Roger Tuivasa-Shek prior to that, that save and the hit he put on Caesar was an absolute cracker. And he had two or three more again in that game. He's made a ripper start to the season, as not only an attack, but try saves. I reckon he'd have seven or eight try saves already. He's been absolutely brilliant. He has been, yeah. But, uh, yeah, definition of uh, desperation, but. The sad part of this is when they get down the field and Leilua makes that break and he had an outstanding game considering he was injured and Whitehead benefited. At 12-0, the first opportunity the Warriors get once they get Blair back on the field inside Canberra's half, they leak points. And again, I'm sick of saying it. Everyone's sick of hearing it and there's going to be questions about it and it's giving me the shits. Slide and hold. And Jared Croker points the finger straight away and he's the inside man and blames somebody else and whinges and kicks, but the defensive system is wrong. Sliding and holding against any side is not going to work. Poor body positioning. You can't tackle that way. Hickory ran straight past him. Yep. Because he's pointing in, next minute he turns out. Like, I just, I don't get it. How do they not look at the video and they go, oh, well, you did. No. The system is wrong. It's not the way to defend. Sure is. It's, yeah. Sure is. Man. Really frustrating. But New Zealand get their possession uh, after that. A little bit of a chance. They didn't do a whole lot with it. They had some blown opportunities. And Williams obviously iced that field goal. You're looking at it then going, oh, you know, it's half-time there in front. It may come in handy. And for a portion at the end of the game, it looked like it was going to come in handy. But second half, Nick Kotrick beats three or four. He's an absolute beast. He's another one of these young blokes in this year. If it's not this year with a new generation or next, we'll be pushing for rep on us, that's for sure. Hell of a player. Paulo's no try. Obviously, the controversial one, you said you thought it was a try. According to the rules, it was. According to the rules. Or, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of looked at it. I don't think anyone, any lead runner that makes contact ever should be rewarded for it. Unless, well, obviously, the defender goes to the lead runner. Like, I've been, I've been over it. But according to the rules, what they're preaching, that was the wrong call. I agree with Ricky Stewart in everything that he said. I thought the one last week was a no try um, that they were to Newcastle and it was awarded a try. And this week I thought it was a try according to the rules and it was awarded no try. So I think they've been dudded, but I also don't think it's cost them results. 
Um, they've, that's a game they should have won. 100% they should have won that game. And last week they should have won as well. Round one they should have won. So for them to be sitting there 0-3, they've only got themselves to blame. But I understand his sentiment and his frustration around the obstruction rule, that's for sure. Yeah, well, 19-6, that opportunity goes begging. And then not long after that, Blake Austin, who's had a bad start of the year defensively, uh, no doubt about that, comes up the clean miss again on Tohu Harris, who carries three or four over. And he had another outstanding game. He's been awesome since he's arrived to the Warriors. And that right edge is a real favourite so far of theirs. But 19-12, late onto the the game there, they get a couple of sniffs inside 20. The Isaac Luke trial was laughable. How all of them just left before the ball's even gotten off the deck and no one's accounted for the nine. He just strolls through. But at 19-18, even then, I'm thinking, surely not. Surely there's no way they can win this game. We might see a golden point, and they might get one or two. I thought I thought they might get a golden point. So did I. That's yeah. I thought that I would be an achievement. Absolutely no idea that they were, well, I had given them no chance to win that game. If you, I would have ordered a lot to send In the normal odds. Time, yeah. I would have liked to send the odds at nineteen six as to how things were. But the fact that Canberra, and this is again the mental weakness, the fatigue, just the general <clears> poor <throat> attitude that they've had defensively. Yeah. You let a team roll down two sets in a row from kickoff. Yeah. 80 metres. Try. To have two clean crap. And I didn't even think people pressured Johnson for his field goal. They didn't. And lose that game. They didn't. That's. It's hard to say it early on, but honestly, if this is the culture and this is like how they're going to dig up in 80 minutes of football and their attitude, their season's over before it's even begun. Yep. Like, don't worry about getting Josh Hodgson healthy and these leads and blaming refs and all the other bullshit that comes along with it. If this is how they're going to defend, if this is how they handle the back end of games and leading, they're in big trouble. Massive. And they're going to be right down the bottom unless things change quick smart. But I just, yeah, I don't know. And to, to think, look at it and go, oh, they've got a big pack and they make fatigue and this. I'm like, well, that's all bullshit as well. They're all first graders. They've all had pre-seasons. They're all big money. It's a mental thing. <laughs> Mate, they had three games in the back. Exactly. Three and games they're blowing in the back. Through. Throwing them down the road. So, so it's a lack of attitude. It's a lack of application. When things get tough, Canberra so far have just found a way to crumble in every single one of these games. So. Yep. I'm going to keep saying it until they fix their defensive setup in particular. Though, they're going to keep losing games or they're going to keep finding themselves in scraps because that slide defense for first graders is just awful. Mm. It's just, you could not put, you, you back me up. You're the coach. That's, you watch that simple first try where Hiku just slides through and the contact's all like, how do you encourage them to have you that system? You can't do it. I just don't understand it. I really don't. But their bench again was awesome. Bunty Afoa, Sam Lasone come on. Huge impact on the game. Toe Harris on the right. Sheck has been awesome this year with that team going the way they have been going. Uh, it's, it's just impressive early signs. And Isaac Luke, we've just said it before this season, you don't know what you're going to get, and we knew what was there, but it's been so disappointing to think what's been wasted the last few years and what we're seeing now. Yeah. Because he's back to being... At one point, you would have argued he, he was the number two, if not pushing to be number one. Uh, I don't know quite if I could say he's the number two right now, but if this form continued all year, this is the Isaac Luke that was right behind Cameron Smith. Yeah, absolutely. At one point. Yep. So He's fit. Let's hope that this continues to them. On the Canberra side of things, uh, just no resilience. Couldn't close out the game. I thought Kotrick, again, was really good. Rapana, Leilua were both good. Whitehead, etc. But, uh, yeah, still caught questions on the halves and nine situation and how that's going to play out for the rest of the year. Yeah. Uh, South Manly, 34-6 to and back down to earth for Manly. 54 zip. Last week, I just think that South in this one, uh, really wanted to dig in in the wet, get involved in the dogfight, and I thought Manly played the conditions quite poorly. Uh, I thought this is one of the better games from... Oh, yeah. South just looked like they wanted to win a lot more than Manly did. Yep. Their, uh, Manly's discipline was terrible. 
they made a lot of errors. They played side to side. South played nice and direct, fast. Cook was out of nine all the time. Yeah. On the back of quick play, the ball. We talk about the metres. South should have scored more. It was 2,000 metres to 1,400. Yeah. So you want to talk about in the conditions to get that many metres is ridiculous. But it is. South just ripped right into them. There's no doubt about that. 45 misses for Manly. Porto defensively. Sam Burgess was epic. He had a massive game. I thought G.I. looked the sharpest he has in the first few weeks. He looked like he'd really turned up. Uh, for a crack there and he set up a couple of those tries for Jennings drawing his man get defenders in as he does because yeah. if you're one on one with him and you don't move he'll carry over the line and he dragged those extra numbers in a few times but the other one Cameron Murray what a freak we're seeing some really good kids emerge in the last 12 to 18 months and I don't know football always does that and I've used it a few times at the end of the season when we've talked about it it's the gift that keeps on giving but this kid's a real good footballer He's a quality footballer. Yeah, and he's um, he's not overly big. No, nah, but he's just he's got a lot to his kit bag. He's tough. He defends well. He's got a motor. He's got a tip. He's got feet. He's just busy. He's just around the ball, and he's really really good. And even Dwayne, it was a better game for him. Yeah, or Dewey, as they said on the thing. Uh, the goal kicking wasn't that great. It could have been worse. The scoreline if he knocked a few more of those over. But his general play kicking, uh, he looks a lot more settled. Two games in, so okay. impressive there. But uh, yeah, the wingers, Richie Kenner, all those kind of they were solid everywhere, all over their edges, but. <sighs> on the manly side of things, uh, just a crash back to earth like we spoke about. Oh, fifth tackle options, and you were sitting here with me. I was getting the shits with Cherry Evans multiple times. Yeah, needed to, to get out of yardage. He's engaged the line. He's ran 10 metres of the ball. I wonder why he's got caught with it. Yeah. If he's stuck in yardage and you've had a poor set, get it and boot the snot out of it. Don't be trying to dig in the line and find something on the last play when you're under the pump. And he got caught at least three to four times with the ball on last play, not even under kick pressure. It's because he chose to engage the line. So I thought that was quite poor. Ford's had some errors as well, you know, trying to push things and just not holding on to the footy. And the only try they got was from a soft, uh, a soft dummy half crash over. So, uh, yeah, really struggled in yardage as well, which is usually a strong point of theirs. The only guy who really looked good in yardage was George Tafua, who always does. So Yeah, and to power while he was on there, but yeah. probably didn't get enough minutes. Yeah, kick chase and pressure, really good. Manly for this one, they're just going to have to reset and get back to Barry Basics, but yeah. It's a reality from week to week, isn't it, the NRL? Yep. can be quite a cruel mistress. But the other game, Cronulla and the Eels in that wet weather. And for a game pre-season, you would have looked at and said, this is going to be two sides pushing for the top four. It was an awful game. It was terrible. It was terrible. It stunk. This game was very, very hard to watch. Yeah. Side to side, too many block plays, errors, penalties. Yeah, four penalty goals. It just stunk. It was, yeah, that was the difference, four penalty goals. But... Sharks with 60-40 possession, I felt that they were in control and they probably should have done a bit more. But yeah. the Eels, we spoke about before, they're the one of bigger concern. Yardage, awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. Middles, we said last year you couldn't believe that they made the top four with the forwards they've had. This year it's looking more like the theory we had. Uh, they're really struggling in the middle. They're getting dominated. They're getting carried over the top of. Um, the halves, it just all looks ordinary. It looks really scripted. It's predictable. I think Norman's looked worse and worse as this partnership's continued now that he's just parked on one side of the field. Yeah. He looked so much better when he was just roaming around, floating. Uh, you could see him frustrated. He got overcalled a few times by Moses on the weekend, which led to errors. And he himself, his defensive attitude when he first got there, I thought was much better. He had nine misses on the weekend, Mitchell Moses. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, yeah. um, hearing some murmurs that all things aren't rosy there already after 12 months. Not quite sure what to believe on that, but that's pretty sad if he's only been in a new club for less than 12 months, actually, and there's already a problem. So, mm. um, Hayne, the move to fullback, you can't blame him, but he got injured early on, which threw things out of whack. Yep. Bevan French in the wet, not as effective. He was manhandled a few times, much like he was last week. Um, there's not a whole lot of positive that come out of that for Parramatta, let's be honest. Zero. I think Zero positive, my friend. The two guys that were good, and they're good every week, and that's just purely because of their attitude, Nathan Brown and Marty Mo. They're the only two guys that look likely to break a tackle, who are looking to hurt blokes, looking to really rip in, but there's a lot of questions and a lot that has to be answered for with Parra early on. Yeah. Sharks more steady with Hodkinson in there. Does his job. I think Townsend, I've said it before, is really underrated as a seven. Does a solid job for you. Uh, Wade Graham had a pretty good game for them. Dugan at the back, good as well. Still doesn't bring that ball playing bit in the wet. Good kick returns, good meters. Him, Fecky especially, starting their sets off. And uh, Fafita had a huge game, but he's still got a, just some dumb errors in his game. For all the carries, the four or five offloads, 180 meters and playing the big minutes, he just makes critical errors, and you mentioned it at critical times. And he gave him a sniff right at the end there with an error off the kickoff. Yeah, he does. So uh, they've got a bit to work on, but I feel a lot more confident sure. in the Sharks building things back up more so than I do the Eels at this point, that's for sure. Yeah. Dragons-Titans, we don't need to spend all the time on this one, but 54-8. to eight. I think the easiest way to sum this up is at 8 all after 20-25 minutes and Taylor asking some questions down that right side with Gordon and Proctor and Hurrell. Thought we had might have had a game on our hands at the start of the kickoff when LG dropped it and they scored basically first or second play. I'm like, this is going to be an ugly game. Yeah. But at eight all, I'm like, okay, we've got a bit of a game on our hands. And then all of a sudden, an absolute capitulation on your right side defense, their left edge, and there was three tries in five minutes. And before you know it, it's twenty six eight. It was terrible. It was it they was were embarrassing yesterday. So and the second half wasn't any better. And the sad thing is, you can't pinpoint one edge or one spot. They got rolled over through the middle again. There was way too many missed tackles. Both edges got pulled apart. And the, the thing that really got me, I couldn't count how many times on fifth play they ran the ball or found extra metres. And if they didn't run through to score, got 15, 20 metres, a couple offloads, and got to a kick. Like, I, I just don't know how your line breaks down so badly on the last tackle and gets cut through. Like, Ben Hunt went through three or four times on last play. Um, and they just completely dominated. Their middles were great. Their edges were outstanding. DeBellin and Frizzell, if they're not throwing their hands up for origin, I don't know who is. McKinnis is really, really improving as a niner. I'm going to throw it out there again. Him or Nathan Peach right now, it's streaks ahead for Na- uh, McKinnis yep. to be playing it is. for New South Wales. Um, ben Hunt's justified his pay packet so far, and Gareth Woodock, with a genuine partner, has been one of the best players in the comp the last few years, but he's looking even better now that he's been freed up. And I think the only real thing they've got to work on is their defence on that Lafayette edge, which got exposed once or twice in that Brisbane game first round. But other than that, there's not a lot of negative you can say. And Dufty's grown with more confidence the more time he spends with those two at the back there. And they're giving him better quality football, plus the platform being laid by the middles, which we know if he's going overs, he's a small man, he's in trouble. But with good space, good service and good halves play, he's going to have plenty of opportunities to terrorise shit edge defence. Exactly. So your side of things, I I like Jai Arrow. Again, one of these guys that grinds, but there wasn't a lot else that impressed me. I think Latu in his first few games, underwhelming. I think Cartwright yesterday wasn't the greatest. Ryan James got involved in plenty of trash. Um, and even Ash Taylor, as much as I like him and he's on the ball, when things seem to be going negative, I think he tries to find a way out. And the trip was silly. Yeah, it was. It was just silly. He should get, well, he'd probably get a grade one for it. I don't know, I'm, sure, I'm not sure what sort of record he's got, but. 
I think he'd be right on yeah, the record. But, but dumb. It was dumb. And I think the one thing that stood out for me, and as much as I thought it was a Sims when he pushed Harrell, I thought that was dumb. But I did, did enjoy the contest after. Uh, and I tell you what, Sims got him twice, and he got him good. Yeah. He whacked him twice. He dropped the football twice. I, the, the push into the ball it, it was, was it was dumb. It was cheap. It was grabby. Yeah. But so, I tell you what, it just wasn't needed. He got hot under the collar after that, and I tell you what, Harrell did lose that battle, though. Sims got him a cracker twice. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they just completely blew him off the park, and there's some real promising signs there for Dragons. So see what happens this week. They play Newcastle, and uh, they're back in Wollongong. In the last game of the round, speaking of Newcastle, 38-8 to the Sydney Roosters. I think the only way to talk about this one is the Roosters are only going to get, keep getting better. As we said, a lot of critical changes there. Uh, we needed to see a bit more from the middles. Those young edges have had another pre-season. And it didn't start too positively. That that reverse play was way too easily when they just switched it and the two markers bit in and left him short on the short side for Latrell well, to the crash negative, over. The negative side, A defender didn't move up. No. So it was um, too wide. Them playing the conditions quite well. They were bombing inside good ball, the Roosters, which was a smart idea in the wet because sometimes you find a bit of love and yeah. Jade Rhea Hargrove's fresh on the field. There's no better way to get your, your try for the year as a front row and get off the nudie run oh. when it scraps off the ground. And Late on there when they finally held the ball, the Newcastle Knights, because I felt they were struggling with errors and penalties just getting out of yardage. Uh, that kick for Guerra was a nice one there at 12-8. I thought, okay, hopefully they can get to half time steady things down, just have a chat and talk about holding on, completing yardage, because the weather changed the game after the first 15, 20 yep. minutes. That that changed the game straight away and turned it into a dog fight and a bit of a straight-up uh, just head-to-head contest, which favoured the Roosters team, because Newcastle, let's be fair, they're still a baby team. They have brought some veterans in, but it's still a very young side. Um, but just before half-time, to concede those two tries, that hurt. They oh, hurt big time. Massively, and, yeah. Um, yeah, the Kiri the one, that, that was wow. That pass to Radley was an absolute corker. And very lucky for him because Tedesco was offside on that other side that he went away from him. If he would have thrown that pass, it was coming back for a no try. Mm. But, yeah, 20, 24-8 at half time. I didn't have a lot of hope for Newcastle, to be honest. And especially in the wet, it's hard to chase points. Mm. And I just, don't think, I just don't think Newcastle got as many points in them as what the Roosters do, full stop. So. No. It was and always going to be difficult with them leaking that many points. To And as you say, the weather was certainly not going to help them. No, most definitely not. Radley's been great off the bench, even if he's not playing nine. Just yeah, energy around the kick. middle there. Uh, Kronk and Kiri second half again, so dangerous. That kick that set himself up for the try, the one where Kronk ran that short side and threw the basketball pass back into Fergo and he went the distance there from Manu. Uh, they're only going to get better as things are going to improve and combinations are going to build up and I kind of stick to what I said earlier I think some of the Newcastle players it was a bit too personal for them this game and maybe you know a bit much was read into it whereas the Roosters for them it was just another game they were playing a few of their ex-mates but the decisions that were made were by the club not the players so I think it's it's a learning curve still for Newcastle Ponga I thought was good despite the weather neutralising him and probably a a funny thing again when you look at it you've got to realise they've got a lot to learn as well because they've basically got a brand new team also. Yeah, they do. And you saw that in the frustration when Tao Tamogi got sin-bent and he blew up at Nathan Ross because two or three times he created space for him and Ross wasn't there. So there's a lot of kinks that they're going to have to work out also, having so many changes early on. But I thought that summed up their night when he got sent to the sin-bin because he'd come in and drew somebody. There was a nice 10-metre yeah, corridor. Was dumb footy, and, and Ross was nowhere to be found and he lit him up and I was kind of like, well, that's your job as your winger, just yeah. to push up with your man and... Two or three times that night, he'd left the football there for him and he was nowhere to be seen. So mm. uh, they've got a bit of work to do, a bit of a reality check. But at the same time, if you'd have told me after two rounds that I've won two games, it's, it's been a good start of the year. So yeah, but this could, is, have, could, have, could have lost all three. But Yeah, this is just um, a bit of a, a winning, grounding. A winning habit is a good habit. Yeah, it's just a bit of a grounding, a bit of a reality check. They'll go back to the drawing board and, 
again, when people are getting straight on the bandwagon going, oh, finals and this, that and the other, I don't think they'll play finals this year. If they do, I think it's a massive achievement. But I still think same deal. Young side, plenty of money to spend, still got some players to bring in and recruiting, but the signs are positive. So, Agree. Um, yeah, looking at it from that perspective. Not bad. Reviews done. Reviews done. We'll jump into some fan questions. Uh, I think there's a fair whack, even though we uh, posted up today at, at a bit of a different time, Boxhead. But I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be plenty of stuff around obstructions and other bits and pieces. So for the most part, there, if you don't hear questions, if we've already addressed it, well, you know, it's something we've already been over, basically. Yeah. So Paul Skew says, "What's your thoughts on a five-minute sin bin?" Well, love I think it. we've we said this a million it. times. That's yep. not one we even need to bring up. Yep. It, it should be in. Get it in. It's critical inside twenty that they don't want to put someone in for ten when there's multiple. Probably infringements. the bigger question is: is if we have a five-minute sin bin, do you still have the ten-minute sin bin? Well, mate, well, for bigger infringements, I guess, or yeah. you know, blatant uh, when you've taken a block. Like, I don't know. Solly Ola Slater last year when someone's taken out for the game, so sin bin or ten minutes. But yeah, we've said it a million times. Inside twenty, they should have the five, so they feel less under pressure to use the 10 minutes in bin basically and you're not punished for the whole game in a sense you're punished for a few sets yeah uh chris cicluna like in the nfl to make the game more interesting after a try score instead of kicking for goal the scoring team gets one tackle to score for four points no nah it no. goes against the fabric of everything mate i'm all for change but that's one thing we do way too often in this game every year we seem to change things too often yeah. um yeah i think you, you can't go away from goal kicking Stephen Moorcroft, he says here, with the golden point rule, should it be changed? My opinion, well, we've already spoke about this one, mate. He's saying, though, that he thinks you should play at the full 10 like I did, have extra time, oh, knowing that you have to play the full 10 minutes. That's another 10 minutes to the game. Yeah, well. That's stupid. There's a million ways to go about this. In the fi- in a final, yeah, when you have to, a finals and origins, when you have to get a result, yes. Yeah. But for a normal competition game, be happy with a draw. Yep. Move on. Patrick Rout asked us to talk about the obstructions, what we have, mate. Tom yep. Lacey says, time for a player coach clear out at the Raiders. The defensive and mental strength of a half-eaten packet of Oreos. Whoa. Ruthless. Do you think it's why, time? Why would, a, why would a packet of Oreos be half-eaten? That's probably the biggest question. Well, do you agree with what he's saying there? Is it time for a clean... I don't think it's time oh. for a player clean-out. <sighs> as far as the coach, is it possible that oh. the voice is getting a bit old? <sighs> I think it's... He seems to be the kind of guy that doesn't last long he, wherever he goes, he's, does he? He's about, Three years. he's about at the span of his life, mm-hmm. of what you're talking about. He does Particularly seem... if you're not winning. Like, it's all good when you're winning. Yeah. But, I don't know. I Look, I'll push a wait and see button on that, but... Yeah, wait and see if, how the rest of the year... If they don't, mate, they'd have to finish in the bottom four to even consider sacking him, I'd imagine. And you got to remember, they don't have Josh Hodgson. So, he, he's their best player for mine. I still think that... And you're playing Aiden Caesar at nine. But, it's the dumbest thing ever. But I think more of it is, you go back to last year, and I've kind of said this before, I think he's enabled what they've turned into. The excuses, and again, on the weekend, I, he, he was justified somewhat, but I think he's one of those guys... <laughs> He's telling his players, everyone's against us. He's bred this kind of arrogance and this entitlement, I think, that they've got um, mm. somewhat. And they're ill-disciplined, and he's never kind of reeled that in after that big year. I think he's kind of pumped the tyres up a bit too much. Some contracts were given to some players that weren't getting paid a lot before that year that proved a point, and he's come out after that and said, we're locked up for the next two to three years and we're settled uh, with our side. And, you know, we're looking for to push forward and, you know, be a threat in this com- uh, competition. And realistically, at the moment, it looks like this year and last year could end up being complete flops and missing the eight. So uh, I guess only time's going to tell, but I wouldn't go that far just yet. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he has had a bit of a track record of being at clubs for, you know, two to three years and things burning out, hasn't he? Yes, sir. Jordan Palmer, does the NRL have the most toxic fans? Constant uh, ref blaming. It's just embarrassing. 
Yeah, it's a shit thing. I'd agree with you, but I've said this to someone earlier who mentioned just about the Broncos game and hating the whinging. What you're talking to through us right now, social media is the reason for all this. Now the fact that everyone's got an opinion and it's all aired and it's on Twitter and it's on here and everyone can have an opinion. Uh, all the, You never heard any of this stuff when I was a kid growing up or before that. And you didn't have the technology and you didn't have the video replays. Now with everything at the touch of our fingertips and we get to see every single little intricacy of the game and we've all got a platform to criticise every single week, no one's happy. And half the time, which is why I don't buy into it and just try and focus on the football, unless there's an absolute blunder, is because it's someone generally waving the flag for their team because they're crying poor for their side of the fence, which is why I don't read a lot of it. So mm-hmm. uh, it's hard to argue, but yeah, social media is a big reason for a lot of this stuff. Eugene said, can we finally get excited for the Warriors this year? He's very excited to watch them play the Roosters, but he's going to hold off for this weekend before he gets too excited. Yeah, they well, they still need nine more wins to get in the eight. So until they get right up near that, I wouldn't get too excited. But yeah, the signs are certainly good. If you had to ask me right now, I'd be making a call they'll be in the eight. And that's I know it's hard to make after three <laughs> really? rounds. Really? They've won three in a row. That's an easy yeah. call to make. I uh, know, but it's bloody pretty impressive. You haven't seen this kind of application. No, it's very, very early, but I didn't expect this this early. No, I think the last two weeks they've been there to be beaten. The Titans were poo and Canberra threw it down the road. So Yeah, I'll have to wait and see we'll what see. happens here. Matty Ballantyne, can one player change an entire team's mindset? Yes, I think so. Well, who, who would you say? Cameron Smith. Well, it depends what sort of mindset you're talking about. And I think taking does this... Give, does it give... Can one player give you... Give a team the confidence that they can win? Yes. Change the whole attitude losing of the one team. team does it, losing one player, does it mean a team loses their confidence in order to be able to win? Probably. I'm not sure whether I'm more... one player changes the overall attitude of the team. It's everyone's individual attitude that contributes to the overall I think attitude. Getting I guess. people to buy in. I think also, again, adding on to that point, not so much even just player, I think coach, like for the example of Cleary again. I think that one player in some cases, one coach, like one person, can they change the mindset of a team or a club or lead culture change or attitude change? I think they can if mm. you get the right person. Lead it. Is there many not of change, them? Yeah, change Is there many own. of them that could people do it? People need to action their own attitude in order to, to change. Yeah. So, but I still think there's a, a... Can you lead an attitude change as an individual? Yes. Yes, but there'd be a very rare few that can. Let's put it that way. Adam Thomas, he's blind about the referees. I agree they're enforcing the rules, but it seems the clubs are not getting on board. I think they need to start bidding these repeated infringements, and I guarantee you a team down to 11 on their line will start following the rules. It's making the game not as enjoyable as a fan. Well, there's been a couple of instances the last few weeks where I've been sitting there going, will they put a second person in the bin? Because there has been three or four penalties even after someone has gone in. Mm. You know, this is why the five-minute bin would probably make it easier for them to make a decision like that to punish yeah. a team. But it's pretty plain and simple. They have to stick to their guns and they have to keep going after teams so they just stick to the rules. It's not not hard. No. You can't bend the rules and go, oh, well, that's hurting the game because last year we were still whinging even when, you know, the roll ball and all these other things were in play. Yeah. So no one's ever happy. Scott Fisher, have you boys heard anything about the rumours that Manly have knowledge of Greenberg trying to lure players for him with third parties when he was at the Bulldogs' boss? The so-called smoking gun Manly are using in their defence for the salary cap breach. The whole third-party thing is a joke. Yep, it is a joke. Get rid of third parties. You don't have those issues. No, and again, if it was used in the smoking gun or fighting things, it obviously doesn't work because they've copped it sweet today. But yeah, there has been murmurs from plenty of people that Greenberg was involved in some sorts of dealings when he was at the Bulldogs. And as if any clubs aren't, every club is involved in trying to wheel and deal and find ways to get players in for less money. It's, It's the reality. No person out there can honestly believe that their club is not trying to do everything they can to find an advantage, because every club does, every single day. Uh, what have we got here? 
Benny Fisher, thoughts on the match-winning penalty in the Broncos-Tigers game? They publicly stated it was an error, and yet the picture seems to show he wasn't square, and the penalty was justified. Mm. Seems to me an error is inconsistency rather than a penalty, but Golden Point refereeing is usually non-existent. If you watch the Brisbane player, he certainly walks off the mark to give the illusion that he isn't square. But I, I also think that there needs to be more onus put on the player playing the ball to make sure that he plays it square so the markers can be deemed square. If, as soon as you move off the mark as a, as a guy square. playing the ball, you're making the markers not square. The markers can't move to where the guy playing the ball is. So yeah. I, I tend to agree with what Bernard Sutton said there. I just think it's a shit penalty. Like yeah. the, the, You could have you could have penalised four or five different things just in that half. You could have pinned Four or five different things in the first half of Golden Point. So yeah. it was just a dumb way to end the game. Gus Gould probably summed it up the best, and uh, Joey and Freddie, and they were just saying, like, it's just a, a really, really deflating way to end a football game. Yep. Um, not disagreeing with you there. Chris Cohen. Cohen Hess up there with the most damaging ball runners in the comp. But F me, I've never seen him use his shoulder in a tackle. Will this see him going back to the bench, or can he hold his starting spot over Ethan Lowe? Well, I think that's just a sign of his age and playing in that 20s comp. He's kind of jumped straight from... 20s to first grade, and I know he's played like a full season now, but he hasn't he really. Starting? He started on the week, scoring. Started on the week, over low. Okay. Scored a double. He's outstanding with the football, but yeah. tackle technique something he's definitely going to have to learn if you're on an edge in particular. Because you're going to say the first two rounds he didn't start, did he? You're a vital cog in the wheel when you're playing on the edge. Well, look, I think he's he's his best role is off the bench. I think for now it is, but you've still got to learn how to defend the edge if he's going to eventually move in And then when he gets a little bit older and a little bit slower and has less impact, then move him into a starting role. I don't think he stays on the bench for five years or so, though. He's he's a starting back role. He's a starting back role. But can he play 80? I think he can. He did it on the other night, I'm pretty sure. I'd have Mm. to look that up. But I think defensively, like he's saying, that's something he's going to have to work on, like his technique or his timing. He does seem to get caught out or... You know, have have problems with that, but you've got to remember again, he's only 20, 21 years old as well. So that's one of those things, I guess, jumping straight out of the 20s where he probably didn't have that issue. Now playing against men and halves a lot smarter, that he's going to have to get better defensively. And I'm sure that's something they're working with him constantly all the time to get better at. But how many minutes did he play? Did played he play a full game? He yeah, played a full game the other night. I don't think that's a problem at all. He's got a motor, mm. but just technique, reading things, getting that right. Can Ethan Lowe start over him? or get back in. I think he's better for the team the way it is now for an impact, but at the same time, when you've got Lowe and... Four missed tackles. When you've got Lowe and Cooper starting together, I don't think you have anywhere near as much damage on your edges, so it's an awkward one. Yeah. So, yeah. Brennan Savage, will the return of Gutherson better the Eels? Well, not with the whole setup they've got right now. He's not going to provide anywhere. It will. It will. Probably not enough for him to win. You need to fix up your middle forwards. Middle forwards are ordinary. The way the halves are playing, all the shapes are just very, very predictable, and they've seen all. Yeah, but they're predictable because they're not playing off those shapes on a quick play the ball. That's that's the thing. Like to run any shape and to be effective on any edge, you need to have the middle defenders not getting off their line, so the halves can go in and engage and put pressure on those edge defenders. That's not happening at the Eels. Simple. Fair enough. Dave Crellin, what happens when a team can't name 21 fit players for this weekend? Uh, E.g. Panthers, Cleary, Zelezniak, May, McKendry, Brown, Cartwright, Hetherington, Waddell, Phillips, Ellis. Name a player who is injured as you can't use anyone from outside the top 30. Well, you can use someone from out the top 30, but this is the case for it. You have to have a situation where you go to the NRL and say to them, we don't have anyone who can play in our 17. Yeah. But you're talking about 21 players. It doesn't matter if they can only name 19. You have to use one of those 19. That's what they've got top 30 for. Yeah. Unless it's like a front rower who needs to play halfback. So whoever they've got named, if have it is 19, 20 players left over, they're the ones they have to use. 
unless yep. they can literally prove that they have no one to play a certain position. So uh, they should be able to name it. But yes, they are in trouble with injuries early on. But a lot of those guys you're mentioning, no offence from New South Wales Cup, wouldn't be playing straight away anyway. So uh, it's a hard situation. But yeah, as long as they've got more than 17 who can play those positions, they'll be playing. Yep. Jack Package, AJ Brimson surely gets a run over LG. LG hasn't been the same player since his injury a couple of years ago, and he's a hindrance on the style of Ash Taylor. Brock, you're the Titans man. Oh, he's certainly not playing well, Kane LG. No, I thought he was pretty ordinary again yesterday. Once or twice, he had a couple of good runs with the ball, but defensively, he just got pushed over. He physically doesn't look like he's there, and he's not confident, that's for sure. Yeah. So Brimson, the gun player. From the 20s, made the team of the year, played a bit of fullback. He's more of a runner than a ball player, but I think that probably suits Taylor because Taylor's the lead man. So, uh, At the same time, though, mate, their forward pack has been dog shit. Uh, and again, if your middles and all those guys aren't doing a job, it doesn't matter what halves you got on the field. So at the moment, I Pretty think much. that's a bigger problem for them. Johnny Ashgate, do we blame Cameron Smith, the original cheat, for what the Australian t- cricket team did? <laughs> uh, the hate. The hate is always there. Zach Maitland, Cleary out for 10 weeks. Tyron May still injured. Panthers finals hopes gone. Who will they use to cover him? Well, Jerome Luai will be the one that will come in. You can't be calling finals hopes gone straight away. Jesus. It's pretty brutal. Uh, is it going to be harder? Yes. Does it put pressure on Maloney? Yes, because he's going to be you know, targeted with an extra number on his side of the field. Um, but I wouldn't be going that far just yet. Last year, they started off quite poorly. I can't remember where their record ended up. They'd lost... You know, maybe well, they only had two from eight or something, wasn't it? Or two from ten? I think to start last season, two or nine, and eight. they made the finals. So yeah, three of their first nine, something like that. And ten weeks for Cleary with the way things work these days with physios, it wouldn't surprise me if he's back a couple of weeks earlier. But it's going to be a hard period, so have to wait and see how it plays out. Jaden Cecil also asking about LG for Brimson. Yeah, I think Brimson would be very close. Forrest Bell, I've been really happy with the refs this year. They're being really ruthless on basics and cracking down on the inside ten penalties. Has there been a massive change in the upper management structure? Because it seems like they've had a shift in how they penalise. Only one, a positive, I must say. Well, we agree that things have, uh, have been much better and they need to crack down. It needs to continue so the teams understand, uh, you know, what the standard is. But there was a change in management. There is obviously a new referees boss and they've yeah. probably communicated with the refs, uh, sorry, with the NRL and also the coaches in the off-season what they want. And I'm pretty sure, speaking of warning a few guys, the refs came in about roll ball and a lot of things and did sessions with them on things they were going to be picking up on. So they've had more than enough time to adjust, let's put it that way. Yeah. They've had months to prepare for it. They know exactly what they're in for. So teams can't complain about anything that's happening right now. Hugo Hansen, last two weeks, Eels have been marched for back chat. One putting Moses in the sin bin. Should it start with an attitude fix for power? Yes. They were just baying for penalties and baying for the officials. Looking at the touches, out on the looking weekend. at the refs. Yeah. They really were. Good call. Yeah. Good call. They were pretty ordinary in that sense. Daniel Friend, the two Warriors field goal sets were identical. Kickoff in the same spot. Caesar spotted on the first play. He got trampled, which allowed yeah, the roll on. He shouldn't be defending in the middle. Is it the coaching staff's job to take Caesar off and put Harvey in the middle or at least instruct the players to kick off to the other side? I can't blame Caesar. He's not a middle defender, and I think it's Stuart's error. Well, we've said it before. Him and Austin both can't defend in the middle, and people are going about that. I put him here, put him there. If Harvey can't play more than 30 minutes, which at the moment it seems he can't, that's a problem. And then what's silly enough is you sign Craig Garvey, rant and rave about how good his preseason was and he's a genuine hooker and he's a fittest guy at the club, but he can't get a game. Yeah. So if you want to play two nines, pick two nines to play there. If the one guy you do have in Harvilly, who's basically a human battering ram inside 10, can't play more than 30 minutes. It's just, it's not rocket science. You're playing a six who can't even defend on the edge in Blake Austin and Aiden Caesar who struggles on the edge most of the time as well, in the middle, where it's an absolute bloody shark pit. 
Yeah. Like, it's not rocket science, is it? So, smart call there, Daniel. Uh, Duncan Bridgeford, is it me? Or is it every time a player interviewed, they're becoming continually worse? Every time I hear a player interviewed, I just zone out. They dribble out the same rubbish, seem to be afraid to have an opinion. Paul Gallen may be controversial and disliked by many, but at least he says what he's thinking. It would be refreshing to see more players actually open up and speak their minds for a bit. Oh, man. Well, I think most of them are afraid of getting in trouble because they're instructed by their clubs, basically, to keep things restricted. So, again, I'm, I don't like defending the players in this sense because they are all a bit robotic, mate, but you can blame the clubs because the clubs put the handcuffs on them, basically, in a lot of cases. People like Paul Gallen are a rare exception, but the clubs do give their media training and basically tell them to give yeah, it's absolutely easy for nothing. to do it because he's played for New South Wales, Australia. He's you know, a big-name sort of player. He, you wouldn't want to be a fringe player going out and shooting your mouth off, would you? Not, not that you don't want them to shoot their mouth off, but you certainly wouldn't want to say something wrong or that's going to put your position in jeopardy. Yeah. You're more dispensable. Yeah, 100%. Andrew Locke says he loves the shows and he's got a couple of random questions. What do you reckon about later in the year when the crowds are down, have a double header with Super Rugby team to try and boost numbers no, at a fixed price? No, nah. no, Tars and the Sunwolves would have 3,000 people join up with the Roosters and the Gold Coast. No. Nah, I think that, that's a bit... Far-fetched, mate, and those two codes are definitely not trying to help each other, that's for sure. No. Uh, Martin Adam, given the performance of the Tigers under Ivan, how much is... Oh, so is... What? How much more is Will more important than skill, and do you think Ivan could trade Luke Brooks for his son? I don't think he's... Well, it's... Yeah, it's probably not ideal to be talking about that because it's not it's not really on the agenda. How long's clear? Well, got another two years. He's got another year to run. Yeah, so this year and next year. After so next year, this time next year, the speculation will be pretty yeah. rife, but much more relevant for this year. Like he's there, he's going to be there unless something horrendous goes wrong. The moment he's got to focus on rehabbing his injury and playing good footy for Penrith and hopefully getting an Origin jersey. But yeah, will and skill they're as important as one another. You can't have one and you can't uh, not have the other, but. Both are vitally important, and Ivan Cleary has proven his worth in the ability to coach both. Yep, 100%. Jamal Sammy, he's talking about the obstruction rule, but he's bringing up uh, getting past what is and isn't an obstruction. We've already gone through that, but he's also brought up the Farmanu Brown try where he went in behind. Yeah. Aiden Tolman, that was called a no try. What are your thoughts on that one? No, I thought it was a no try. You thought it was a no try? Because he's used him basically yeah. as a shield to get in. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, what, what can the NRL do to enforce more consistent accountability amongst the referees? Well, be consistent with their decisions and back your referees up. Yeah. Bernard Sutton gets on there on bloody Triple M NRL yesterday and fucking throws Klein under the bus. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, about the markers. I think it was actually Klein that refereed that game. It was. Threw him straight under the bus. Yeah. Like, it's wrong. How do you, how do you want them to have confidence in making their decisions when the referee's boss is not out there refereeing, just throwing people under the bus constantly? Yeah, 100%. George Canutis, love to hear your thoughts on the Canberra's no accountability ref-blaming culture. Seems to have become ingrained in their system, and even their Twitter account is full of finger-pointing and ref-blaming. Well, I've said last year, a lot of times I'm not a fan of Ricky Stewart's pref conferences because he never seems to take any accountability and blame, and it's always them being the victim uh, on the weekend. It's very much a victim mentality. Again, I may think that, you know, the decision right or wrong, that they shouldn't have lost that game, plain and simple. So it's hard for me to feel sorry for him, to be honest. Yep. Uh, Luke Greenhay says, has Steve currently found a side of change his game plan to suit the actual team he's coaching? Mm, I don't know about that. Well, I think he's had some help around him, and I got a bit of a glimpse of that when you watch that preseason program, that he went to Stacey Jones a bit more about getting some balance in their attack along with Andrew McFadden, who are both former halves, to get not only control of the football, which last year they had the highest completion rates in the comp, but did nothing with the ball, but also mix in their more dynamic players 
offloads and taking advantage of quick play the balls, etc. So I think they're yeah. playing a better balance, but I don't think it's so much Kearney. I think he's let those guys around him get a little bit more hands-on, which is a smart idea when you've got someone, especially like Stacey Jones, who was a great halfback. So yeah, that's right. uh, pretty good tactic there. Uh, Owen George, Mackie Milo. With Isaac Luke playing so well and practically playing 78 minute, uh, 70 to 80 minutes, is it necessary for the Warriors to have a hooker or a utility on the bench? Well, basically they're not using Tavanga as a hooker anyway, mate, and he plays as a 13 at times as well, and he, he was very good on the weekend. So don't have a problem with it if they don't have a middle that they want to carry, but they want to have somebody who's got the versatility to play as a tight and in those spots. So I think that's more the reason for it, and I think you'd agree there probably as a coaching perspective. If you don't have another middle, you've at least got someone there who can play tight, but also play nine if need be. Exactly. And he did. I thought he was really, really good on the weekend. I really do. Um, Deck Meadows, not an arrow later, but thoughts on the ball tampering and who has to ultimately be accountable. Oh well. Oh, those who plan on it. So if it was the leaders, if it was Steve Smith and a few of them that were all come up with the idea, and the coach, like whoever has come up with the idea, they're the ones who have to be held accountable for it. I can't believe Bancroft's got off. I know he he didn't plan it, but he was the one that did it. Yeah, he so he, he should have got a. I think Steve Smith got a test. Warner got a test. Bancroft got off. Ridiculous. They should have uh, Smith and and Warner or whoever the, were in that leadership group should get a series. I would have thought a whole series. So what, I don't know what our next series is, but they should have to sit the whole series out. I don't think Steve Smith should ever captain Australia again. I certainly don't think David Warner should succeed him if he was a part of it. Um, but the calls for life bans and year bans and stuff is, is stu- stupid. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, Faf Duplessis has been done twice for it. So, and it's it's pretty rich for um, South Africa. One, once Faf did it with a mint. Once he did it with his zipper on his his pants. Who was? Vernon Philander's done it. Uh, Shahida Freddy was favorite. fucking biting the ball. He's like, done a hundred of them. Um, look, I think I think the issue is that it's premeditated cheating. Like they've gone out. Yeah. It they knew what they were doing. Of, not, not to say that the others didn't sort of know that they were going to do it. So I don't think it's something that just pops in your head and you think it's a good idea. But so stupid for how many cameras that were around. Like, they were just caught red-handed. And then they went to the, the umpires and sort of denied it. Like, it was just a, it's a, like a farce, man. And it's embarrassment. And the cricket team certainly isn't that uh, red-hot and great as it was 10 years ago no. for people to be doing this sort of thing and have people continue to support them. No, and again, I think the biggest thing is the life ban call is absolutely ridiculous because there's plenty of cases of people that have done tampering. Even the guys at Match Fix didn't get life no. bans. But the thing about it is you have to carry that for the rest of your career now. They're going to be hammered about it and it's going to be stuck with them. They're tarnished already as it is. So. Well, England, uh, England reckon they've got evidence that they were doing it in the ashes. So it'll be interesting to see whether more evidence comes out to see whether it is systematic or it was a one-off. But yeah. we'll see. Damien Fife, how did Brock's remote go over the weekend? Oh, I don't throw it anymore, mate. Oh, he's, he's used to it, mate. It's become just standard, just, unfortunately. Yeah. I just expect them to get flogged, and if they don't, it's a bonus. Nice. David White, fifth and last, found you on iTunes. Listen to the season preview and all three rounds. Hashtag love it. So cheers for that, champion. Thanks, Glad legend. You're on board. He says, a question you're always saying, he can't be good. You can't be a good 5'8 because of a kicking game. Can you teach a kicking game? Well, yes. Don't remember saying about 5'8s having to have a kicking game. It's probably more important for your 7. But can you teach a kicking game? 100%. It's just... Yeah, but half and 5'8 are the same thing. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically, now they split the field. field. Yeah. But, yeah, you have to have a kicking game 100%. And can you teach a good kicking game? Well, that's all it is coming to the grades. Learning, application, short, long, bombs, chips, etc. All the bits and pieces just putting time into your kicking game. Yeah. So it's just something the players need to work on. Uh, B.A. Ashford, how did the Tigers score points? Thoughts? Well, it's pretty hard at the moment because they don't have the most dynamic side. They're grinding out their wins or grinding out their games defensively. 
The forward pack's not overly flashy. Madalena on that lay a pretty good platform, but their edge back rails aren't exactly dynamic. Offloaders that are busting up holes. Uh, the outside backs aren't too bad, I guess, but Lola here's played at fullback, Thompson, etc. It's not exactly the flashiest side, but it is an effort side. And yeah. I think points are going to come as they recruit more players and their team gets better. But for now, I think, yeah, it's more just the, the players they've got. Correct. They're not exactly a flash attacking side. Dan Helson has said, do the Raiders have the worst culture in the game? The entire game, every player spends their time whinging the referees about every call. It's all led from the leader, Ricky Stewart, using the refs or the league as an excuse every week. So. At, at this point in time, they do. I think the Titans wouldn't be far behind. And the, the culture there is pretty, pretty ordinary of just... Been mediocre. They've been mediocre for a long time, the Titans. So yeah, well, since 2010, they made the finals once. The sad thing for Canberra is last year we said eight games or so less than six points lost, and the first three rounds of this year they've already got three chalked up. And they're the difference between you playing finals or not. Yeah. So the fact they've already dropped three by less than a try, and we're talking it's two points in one. Games to go. I get that, but they, games those to... losses are just they're critical. Yeah, Joey. The Dragons, man, where does Cam McInnes rate as the best hookers in the NRL? He's, in my opinion, fast coming, one of the best, picking his time and attacks much better and tackles all day. Thoughts? He's getting much, much better. We just said before, let's be completely honest, for New South Wales hookers right now, it's not even a contest. He's our nine. He's yeah. our nine. He's got a lot more to offer than what Nathan Peets does. Nathan Peets, to be honest, the first few games doesn't look too been happy on the Gold Coast and he offers nothing in attack. Yeah. He's usually tough and uncompromising and leading their line, but he looks like he's over everything right now, the way things are going. So... Um, it's pretty hard to say that's even a contest. McInnes would have to be the nine. Uh, Emmanuel Aran, uh, I think uh, Mansour, Zelezniak and Farah are not the players they once were. What are your thoughts, boys? Well, Mansour's not too long back off an injury. Farah's been injured and hot and cold, and Zelezniak's injured right now, so I think it's pretty hard to judge players while they're injured. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that just yet. Michael Johnson, a couple of bad calls on the weekend. Undo all the good progress in the rest of the season. People, including myself, giving Klein plenty, but in reality, it's the same mistake as we all make every day. No one's perfect, and we've had this thing a million times, and no one's ever going to be happy. So it's impossible for everyone to be happy. Mistakes are going to happen. Um, I just think people need to get over it sometimes. Like, agree. When it happens around finals times and this and that, it's going to be hard to let it go, but this early in the picture, yes, uh, you know, it costs somebody a game. I don't think either deserve to really win or lose, but that's, that's life. Mistakes are going to be made, unfortunately. Yep, they sure uh, are, my friend. Gavin says, do you think the Daly M judges would give their points differently if they waited until they'd watched a replay and let emotions settle down? And then he went a reference after seeing Big O Trivia, who you post to sometimes on yeah, there. Yeah. He's had the points up for the Roosters game last night, saying Kiri should have been man of the match. He only got one point. Friend got two. Cronk got three. Mm. So I think if you watched it on replay, you would probably get a better idea. Yeah, it's um, fair. And we never get them after the game. It's not like they flash up and say, oh, these are the Daly M points. So. No. Nah. So it's one of those things. It's pretty hard. The Buckstar, Ricky Stewart, is one of the most overrated coaches ever. Uh, yes, he won a premiership and origin, but was lucky to get those teams at the right time because they could have coached themselves. Since then, what has he done? Seems to leave teams in a worse state than when he got there. Thoughts? Hard to argue. Hard well, to argue. Sharks didn't go too well. Parramatta, he did help start the clean out, but then he bailed out instantly. Uh, the Canberra, old uh, overhead projector. Yep. Canberra started off positively, but obviously now things aren't heading the right way. And at the Roosters, he still had feel good. Brad Fittler and a gun side, and once all that seemed to have uh, walked but out the door. But he lost two of the un- most unlosable grand finals. Yeah, he sure did. Fork so Not exactly... Uh, the best way for things to end there, I think. We're... Keeps getting a gig, but so he must be doing something right. Yeah, got to be doing something right. You'd have to think, but um, yeah, looking he's, through here he's to an see. Gossips posted up that funny video of uh, some of the muck ups from 
Uh, who was it? The Tigers on the weekend, a few passages of play, but I think that's all our questions from all the fans out there. So much appreciated for those. And last part we've got to do is our betting and tips, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, Brock. And uh, last week, their results, we'll have a chat about them as well. But uh, first two weeks, they didn't run too far behind, but had a couple of good wins that they invested in. But the big thing for anyone out there, if you're a serious punter, these guys are full-time gamblers. They analyze things to a T. The NFL package more recently is the one they ran, and that had a 27% return for the year, which is very good if you're money for investment. They're offering all our listeners out there of the fifth and last $99 for your first month. You get your tips there, and if those don't return a profit, you get your next month free. There's no lock-in contract. It's month-to-month. If you're not happy, you can cancel any time. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into our tips and betting right now. But before we do that, just a quick update of the gossip this week. And there's not a whole lot coming through, Boxhead. We obviously got the message earlier from Mr. Gossip. And the only little piece he has for us this week is obviously Blake Austin, uh, along with Austin's, uh, sorry, Aiden Caesar off contract at the Raiders. Uh, there is talk, so he is started to have a bit of a chat to the Eels. So possibility of uh, another club that he'd be heading to there. So where's he going to play at the Eels? Well, exactly. And why the hell would the Eels want to buy him? No idea what the deal is there. The Eels need a prop. The Eels need multiple props and possibly uh, nine would be a good idea as well at some point as well. King does a solid job. Pritchard's had some problems with the concussions, but I think they're two areas they could definitely address. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in talks with them, doesn't mean anything's going to come at him. Obviously, there's talk that he's had some initial talks with the Raiders, but I highly doubt they're going to be offering anything like they would have been a couple of years ago. So uh, that's the only real bit of gossip he's got there. But jumping in to these tips and some of these bets, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate and on the weekend, uh, I think they got up a couple of decent winners. And in particular, on their main bets, they had five bigger stake bets. They had three of those get up to come out ahead there. So they had under... 47.5 points in the Raiders versus Warriors game. They had the Sharks with the 1.5 start, which I tipped yep. the Sharks, so I'd agree with that, that one. That was a good bet. And over 43.5 points in Titans-Dragons. Hot, dry weather football up there in Toowoomba. Two teams that like to score points. Uh, mm. Generally, if the Titans are in a game, they leak plenty or they Should score plenty. over uh, 43.5 for the Dragons. But yeah, the Dragons also like to score some points. So there are a couple of good ones. Overall, they had about 13 bets for the week. But as we've said before... What were the two they got wrong out of the big ones? Uh, it doesn't have here what the two bigger ones, but I think yeah. they were lines also yeah. on games. Uh, I've got the spreadsheet that I'll get up in a second, but jumping into our tips, the first one for this weekend is the North Queensland Cowboys versus the Penrith Panthers. Obviously doing this on a Monday, we don't have the lineups, but we know that Nathan Cleary is missing, so that's a massive blow, yeah. and it's up there with North Queensland having lost two in a yeah, row. So Cowboys. Cowboys for me. Cowboys for you, and the Cowboys for Gossett, and thanks to the Pro what's Sports the, Syndicate. What's the score update? You haven't given us a score update, mate. We don't bet the score up there, man. For the tips. Oh, the tips. This week you got five. We both got four. So that brings you back even with me on 13 and Gossip's on 12. So okay. nice and tight. Yep. Uh, the odds for this week, $1.28 for the Cowboys, three seventy for the Panthers. Minus 10.5 is the line there. 1 to 12 Cowboys, three ten four seventy five. The Panthers, 13 plus, 210 and $11 for the Panthers. The second game, uh, Good Friday, one that's actually tended to be a pretty decent game of football. Um, over the years is South Sydney up against the Dogs. The Dogs obviously getting their first win over the weekend. So, you know, pretty positive for them given the first two weeks they've been kind of in the game but haven't quite got there. But I did like the way South Sydney played on the weekend. Did see some positives the first two weeks. And again, off the top of my head, without seeing injury lists, uh, I'd be happy enough to back South in this one. South Sydney, yeah. South Yep. Dogs, uh, I don't know. 
I liked them last week, but I like the I like South more than the Dogs. Yeah. What I saw from the weekend, I've liked the effort, like we said. But again, uh, I've liked what I've seen more from South. I'm with you. Gossip, he's gone the opposite way. He's gone the doggies to get the upset, or not the upset according to the bookies, because it's a dollar ninety pick him, thanks to the pro sports syndicate. So a dollar ninety a piece for both these sides. The line minus one and a half for the dogs, plus one and a half for South. There one to twelve both sides through twenty thirteen plus both sides for twenty five. Uh, and having a look from the pro sports syndicate, Brock, as you talked about some of those other ones on the weekend that they had line bets on. Uh, I think they had a handicap for the overs in the South Sydney Manly game. So I think that was 42.5 points. To they, go, they had over. To go over. Well, and and it pissed down. And it rained, so that's a pretty dud one there. And yeah, that's unlucky. That got pretty close, to be honest. What yeah, was that? 34-6, so 40 points. They were one try away. Uh, so that's a pretty harsh run there when you put uh, you know, a decent stake on that game. So very, very close. And the other one was the West Tigers-Brisbane. Uh, they had the minus in that one. Seven, uh, it was what, two and a half, and obviously they lost by two, so they lost by half a point, which yeah. is pretty harsh again. So, two bets, and that one's decided by the penalty, which is ruthless. So, realistically, they're unlucky not to be five from five from those bigger stake bets, which would have put you ahead a decent chunk of money there from the pro sports syndicate. But back to our tips the third one, the Cronulla Sharks versus the Melbourne Storm. It's there at Shark Park. They have bounced back. Does Moylan get named again this week? Is he back from that injury? Not 100% sure about that one, but what I do know is Melbourne bounced back last week and they do like playing against the Sharks. It's usually a bit of a angry type of game. We might be heading out for this one. Um, I'd like to well, think... What do you mean, might be? We're going, big boy. I'd like to think that Melbourne are going to back it up again this week. I still think the Sharks have got some things to work out. So with that in mind... Storm. I'll be back in the Storm. Storm. Gossip also backing the Storm. And thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, they're $1.62, $2.30 for the Sharks. Minus 3.5 is the line. Three dollars for the Storm, one to twelve. Three fifty for the Sharks. Thirteen plus Storm is three thirty. Six dollars for the Sharks. Now this game to me is the game of the round, going off the form line so far, and I'm hoping they live up to the hype on this one. But the Roosters up against the Warriors, who have been good so far, but it is in Sydney, so interesting to see if they can come over the Dutch again for the third time this year and back up the effort. But so far for two away games, which has usually been a struggle for them, they found a way to get two wins. So. Uh, really looking forward to this game going off form. I'm going to stick with the Roosters purely again because it is over here. Um, but this one, one... Saturday game, this one? Yeah, Saturday yeah, game. Yeah, Saturday game. This yeah. one to me, though, is a very, very interesting one. I don't expect it to be a blowout, that's for sure. Roosters. I like this one to be close, but we're all in the Roosters. Gossip's on board there as well, but you know, I, I don't know. This this is an interesting game of football and a good glimpse into how the Warriors, I think, uh, are going to be for this year. But to the Pro Sports Syndicate, there's a decent uh, line here. The Warriors are three twenty-five. The Roosters are a dollar thirty-four. Eight and a half start you get. If that got somewhere out near ten or ten and a half, I'd be on that. And eight and a half, I still think, is actually not that bad. One to twelve for the Roosters is three dollars. Four fifty for the Warriors. One to twelve. Thirteen plus two thirty. The Roosters nine dollars for thirteen plus on the Warriors. Manly Canberra, uh, two teams looking to bounce back. Manly, obviously, the one point loss, the huge win, and then the huge loss. Canberra, three agonisingly close losses, and have no idea how. The tipping factor here for me is the fact it's at Lotto Land. So, and if it's dry at Lotto Land, heavy track, they've got to bounce back this week. I'm going to give Manly the benefit of the doubt, but Canberra, if they don't win this week, it's big trouble early doors, that's for sure. What are you thinking? Manly, but, oh, man, Canberra got a lot to play for. Manly are on the back of the crisis this week, so that could go one way or the other. But I'll go Manly at Brookvale. 
Um, but with not a lot of confidence, and I, I like the 260 about the Raiders. Yep, and uh, Mr. Gossip, he's gone the opposite way. He likes the Raiders to bounce back after the three close losses. He thinks they might fire up this week for Ricky. And the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.50 favourites for Manly. Uh, Canberra, $2.60. Minus 5.5 is the line. 1 to 12 for Manly, $3. 3.75 for the Raiders. 13 plus Manly, $3. $6 for the Raiders. I see that, uh, again, probably more a 1 to 12 game, but I'd be sticking towards Manly. Uh, things on Sunday kick off with the Dragons in Wollongong against the Newcastle Knights. They've come back down to earth after two close wins to start the year. The Dragons obviously running red hot. With that being the case, being at home and hopefully a dry track on a nice Sunday afternoon, I'd be tipping the Dragons. Dragons, my friend. Clean sweep all around. Dragons for you. Dragons for gossip as well. It's a bit of a trap game, but for St. George, isn't it? Newcastle are on the back of that big result. St. George have just recorded a big result. They've won three. Bit of a trap game. Well, Alec Knight on Twitter every week has asked the same question. Are the Dragons a real deal? And I laughed and said before, are you going to ask every single week? And he said, yep. And I said, well... Early doors, origin period, all these things to come. It was a Ask good... me in round 25, we get the same answer. Because they are the real deal. Whether they play with that consistency all year is up to them. But they're yeah. the real deal. Yeah. They want to be. Good pair of halves, etc. As I said to him, I'm looking forward to the stretch of round six, seven, and eight. They've got Warriors, Sharks, Roosters. And that's the big one for me. The Roosters the Anzac, Anzac Day game. game is a big one for me to watch them play in that game again yeah, and see what Still, it's round eight. I get that. But both the teams then will have a little more football. It's a good early, early season grand final. It's a good yeah. test. So I'll be looking forward to that one in particular. <laughs> but we're all on the Dragons here. And thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.36 for the Dragons, three fifteen for the Knights, eight and a half start. If you like Newcastle there, one to twelve for the Dragons, three ten, four forty Newcastle, thirteen plus Dragons, two thirty. $9 Newcastle. If you're going to have a bet on that game, what do you think? Do you in, think Newcastle... Dragons, uh, Newcastle. Do you think they keep it tighter this week after last week's blowout? Or do you think the Dragons, if they get a dry no, track I'd on a take, Sunday, other? <clears throat> I'd take the Dragons minus the eight and a half. You'd take the start? Yeah. What, you wouldn't touch the 13 plus? I think no. somewhere in between that bracket? No, I wouldn't be comfortable taking 13 plus. Yep, fair enough. Alrighty, your mob. Gold Coast against Big Brother, Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane looks like they may have a couple of players out this week. Again, on a Monday, no team list for us here, but Corey Oates obviously went off to Vita Pangai Jr. off early with that hamstring injury. They're things that hurt, in particular, losing a front row when they're already a bit light on in the middle into Vita Pangai Jr. The Titans, obviously, though, there hasn't been a very a positive week one. Week two, they showed some fight, but last week, they just got absolutely obliterated. So is there a bounce-back factor here? Or you'd like to think they would stand up against the Broncos. They generally do like to dig in in these games, but... Regardless of those injuries, supposedly, I'm going to be sticking with the Broncos just because I think they're more consistent. Broncos, <clears throat> Broncos, Broncos. If the Gold Coast turn up and play well, they'll, they'll be a shout, but uh, yeah, Broncos. Yep. Well, Gossip agrees with us. He's also tipped the Broncos, and thanks to Pro Sports Syndicate, $1.23 heavy favourites in this one. The Titans, $4.20. You get 12 and a half start. Like I said, if the lineups came out tomorrow and confirmed that Oates is out, Tevita Pangai Jr. is out, and the Gold Coast have a crack, um, you know, I think 12 and a half is pretty handy. Like, I, I don't, I've seen the points, obviously, in the Broncos the week before, but I, I struggle to think that the Titans could turn up again in round four and dish up what they did last week, but uh, it, it's yet to be seen. And I think they had a couple of players charged this week. I saw that Ryan James was cited, Ash Taylor was cited. If those guys were to get suspended, that's a different story, obviously, yeah. all over, but. 1-12 for the Broncos, 3-25, 5-25 for the Gold Coast Titans, 13-plus Broncos, $1.90, $12 for the Gold Coast Titans. And the last one for this round is West first Parramatta. It's Easter Monday there. 
this one's been up and down the last few years. It's been quite ugly at times, but it's also been a, a pretty decent game at other times. Hopefully we get the Parramatta bounce back and absolutely putting up a fight here against the Tigers team. It's made everything an absolute dogfight so far, but um, Benji Marshall, again, without lineups, without the benefit of that, we don't know if he's going to play. He had an injury last week. They reckon possibly keep him out in an ankle, but it's a 10-day turnaround. So from all reports, the injury he has is a one-to-three-weeker, depending on recovery. Yeah. So it's hard to tell just yet. They don't think Reynolds is going to be ready either. So if that was the case, they'd be hoping Lola here is healthy enough to come back and possibly play in the half. So that question mark, I think, hurts. But at the same time, from what I've seen, just effort from West, I, I'll stick with them over Parramatta. Yeah, West. Again, I, that's a tough one. Easter Monday... Look, Plenty to play for. There'll be a huge crowd there. If Benji's um, out and Lola here's not 100% or Reynolds isn't 100%, it's on the eels to put in an effort here and meet them for the dog fight. Well, we're going to go Good Friday, and I'm pretty keen to go um, on Easter Monday as well So, uh, and watch both those games. So, No, I'll get back to you on that one. But Well, we're, we're thinking about doing the double on Good Friday. We might go see us dogs and then drive over to Cronulla. Possibly. We might. See, see how the day's like. See how the day works, yeah. But in this one, we're both on the Tigers. Mr. Gossip, he likes the Eels and the odds, thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. $1.98 for the Tigers. $1.83 for the Eels. Again, if uh, Benji's out and a couple other things don't pan out as far as those halves being healthy, Tyson Gamble may even get a debut. A young bloke they got from Redcliffe who's been killing New South Wales Cup. So yeah. interesting to see what happens there when the lineups come out. Minus one and a half is a line. 1 to 12 Tigers, 325, 310 for Parramatta, 13 plus 450 for the Tigers, and 425 for the Eels. But charity bet, we finally got a win. And again, we have to thank the Pro Sports Syndicate for taking that on board this year. Uh, they didn't have to. Obviously, the betting agency, William Hill, has been helping us out with that for the last couple of years, waiting the guys there. But uh, we've got our first winner, a nice three leg multi. Yep. $50 on that at 330 something. I think we've got 165 in the kitty. So basically, after losing our 250s the first two weeks, we've almost kept on track. So we're ahead of our $50 ratio now. Yeah. Um, this week, is there anything you like out of anything we just looked at? I like Melbourne at $1.62. Yeah. I do like South. So no, not in that game. At $1.90. That game's an emotional game. I like the Cowboys. I think they'll win easy. I don't like the odds. So I, I saw <laughs> yeah. that, I saw that yesterday. I saw it yesterday, though, before the Cleary thing was completely confirmed and you would have got more, obviously. forty. <laughs> no, it was $1.60 yesterday. Mm. So it swung a fair bit with Nathan Cleary out. The Melbourne one I do like. That is one I definitely do like. And I like, I like, What are the Roosters? I like the Dragons too at $1.36. The Roosters, Roosters. are $1.34. Mm. I would be less in... Go down. What are West? West are the outsiders. $1.98. I don't really like yeah. touching that game. I, I, think, like, I like the under in that game, West power. If you take... Because Parramatta can't attack, neither can West, and West defend like buggery. So whatever the under is. If you take Dragons... And the Storm, both head-to-head, you get yourself 220. No, not enough, mate. What's and under? Can you bet under now in that game? The West Paragon? The under? You can't, can you? It's not up yet, I no. don't think. It'll be a dollar ninety. Overs-unders for that game. I don't think they do it because they, they take into account the weather. Just put in put in that one, put in the dollar eighty-three, and that'll, that'll be about the same price as an over-under, and then see what odds you get. Well, if you add in that, roughly for what you're saying, you'd be getting four bucks. Yeah, there you go. So if we had St. George to win head-to-head, Storm to win head-to-head, and the unders in Eels, Tigers on Monday, you get four bucks. So maybe something along those lines, but have to see how that pans out. But there you go. Tips, betting segment there, all sorted. Thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. If you're interested in that, get on board. We'll put that link up later again 
on the page. You get your first month, half price, $99. If you don't get a profit from the tips that you've been provided with, you get your next month free. No obligations, no contracts. It's month to month. If you don't like it, you can bail out. But if you're serious about your punting on your NRL, these guys are full-time gamblers. They've got down on us. They put the time in. And like I said, looking at some of these line bets, one got messed up because of the weather, the other one a shit penalty in Golden Point. If not, those five bets out of the 13 they provide this week, the main ones usually being line bets, they're big ones, you'll see it because they put a heavier stake on it. They possibly could have been five from five. So even with those three, they've come out ahead. So yeah. pretty good week for them. Uh, starting to get a feel for the season, as most people do after the first few weeks kick in. But that's us for another week, Boxhead. It's us. Very, very big. Uh, all your questions answered. We've obviously went through our own set of six, your tips, your little bit of gossip there, the power rankings, game reviews, talk about the games coming up. But I think most importantly to all our listeners out there, Easter weekend, long weekend. I can't wait, man. I can't it's wait. It's been either. a long, uh, long term at school with a plus throw footy in four, yeah. four times a week. I'm looking very much looking forward to a few extra days off, which will be super. We're going to rip into this game of footy. You're always your little 50-50 about going to live games, but oh, I've dragged you over the line with when, this When one. the Storm are playing, I'm not. Yeah, I, but you didn't want to go to Cronulla. It was Good Friday, but we're going, man. We are there. I am going, and then we can get loaded for my birthday on the weekend. So <sighs> good time. But for everybody out there, I think much the same as us. Everybody stay safe. Uh, enjoy the long week with your families. Yeah, drive safe. More enjoy the footy, and yeah, that double demerit starts Thursday, so don't do anything stupid. <laughs> if you're going to have a drink, catch an Uber, get a taxi, make sure someone's the designated driver. And make sure you're on time. Make sure you make sure you meet your curfews. That's right. Meet your curfews. Good mate of mine at work didn't meet his curfew this weekend and get in trouble. He's in the naughty corner. Yeah. yeah. You don't need that in your life. Do you, you don't. But four days, more importantly, off. Spend the time with your family. Enjoy the time with your loved ones. We appreciate everyone who listens to the show. Rate, review us on iTunes. Enjoy your long weekend, but most of all, enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where you, what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.